Monday, July the 12th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We've got an early episode this week for you because the way the uh, the schedule is for the week, we wanted to cover uh, Loki, uh, the episode 5 recap, and get that to you uh, before the next episode came out. We wanted to cover the NBA Finals, and then later on in the week with uh, Del Mar and Saratoga starting up, we'll have some coverage of uh, their racing with some guests, so... We decided, you know what? Let's just uh, let's just get this show out. So, this one we're gonna have quick hits all around in sports. Some of the big things that happened over the weekend. Then we're gonna get into NBA with Eric. We spend uh, I think about forty minutes or so going over the first three games of the NBA Finals. The Bucks come back and win on Sunday night. So now the series is two one Phoenix with a two one lead. We go through that. We also talk about the. Uh, the uh, Olympic team, the U.S. team, losing in an exhibition game to Nigeria, and um, and then um, we uh, we have a little fun talking about uh, a fantasy league that we're in. We're going to get into some Tuesday racing, kind of a little bonus action for you. We've got some plays over at Indiana Grand and at Canterbury, and then Loki episode three with Tim Kelly, TK. In a minute, we're going to go over some baseball and uh, talk a, a little bit about uh, All Star Monday and All Star. I want to say weekend, but it's not weekend. All-Star Monday and Tuesday with the Home Run Derby Monday and the All-Star Game on Tuesday. So we'll bounce all around here with some Tuesday racing, with some NBA, and then low-key episode episode three. It's episode five, of course, as we only have one more episode left. Spoiler alert, we're going to get into everything that happened in episode five. This episode of That's What G Said is brought to you by BetterThan.Vegas. That's the website if you are someone who gambles, is a sports fan, someone that plays fantasy sports, you have to check this website out every day. There are videos from different handicappers, different gamblers all around the world that will post their their plays for each and every day. Some of the games that they're playing, their reasons why, props, spreads, totals, you name it, you're going to get it from a bunch of different people, a bunch of different sports all around the world. And you've been seeing me follow me on social media posting a lot of plays for baseball I had some basketball plays here and there and football season's coming up we're going to be posting some for there these are totally free videos to watch in fact uh, all the content at better than dot vegas is free and they have weekly contests that you can get involved in the weekly showdown where you just follow the instructions, post videos, and you yourself can win money every week just by posting some of your plays. Give them a follow on Twitter, at BTVBets there, and uh, you'll get helped out every day with your wagering, with your gambling. You'll get a chance to win money just by following along. Let's get into some of the quick hits around the, uh, the sports world over the weekend. Novak Djokovic wins Wimbledon 20th Grand Slam victory. Ties the record right now, a three-way tie with Rafa, with Roger. So 34 years old now, and uh, we've got all three of them tied with 20. He is the only man since 1969 to win the first three major tournaments in a season. He can aim for the calendar year Grand Slam uh, at the U.S. Open August 30th. So his third consecutive, Wimbledon, sixth overall, nine Australians, three U.S. Opens, two French Opens. Whew. He is tied with those two with 20. Awesome feat there for Novak. Congratulations. 
He's collected eight of the past 12, all since turning 30. In the three majors this year, he's 21-0, and he beat some of the young up-and-comers. I'm reading some stuff from an ESPN article here. Beat a trio of 20-somethings ranked in the top 10. So, beating the young ones. How about uh, my Italians? Italy claimed a first European championship since 1968. A dramatic 3-2 penalty shootout in the uh, Euro 2020 final against England on Sunday. Shout out to Italy, who I believe has not lost now in like 30 uh, consecutive, really long stretch of, of no losses. England was playing in their first major final in 55 years since winning the 1966 World Cup. Connor McGregor got crushed over the weekend. And of course, like in true Connor fashion, he was going to talk trash even after he got his uh, his butt kicked. So he suffered that leg injury when he lost on Saturday in UFC 264. Three hours of surgery, repairing fractures to the tibia and fibula. So it was a doctor stoppage TKO at five minutes in the first round. Stretcher taken, uh, brought out to take McGregor back to the hospital. It looked pretty bad. But he's not going to stop him from talking. Going to continue to talk no matter what. Because that is Connor. A couple of the big stories uh, around the sports world this weekend. Before we get into NBA with Eric, I'd let you know about Cindy Carava, full-service realtor at CindyCarava.com. She can help you out with buying, selling, Leasing. She can connect you with the type of people if you want to improve your home. Gardeners, landscapers. Maybe you need help with a home loan. She can connect you with lenders that would will help you do so. She can provide you with a free market analysis of your home's value. Check out CindyCarava.com, full service realtor. And uh, our friends over at SarahCandles.com, C-E-R-A Candles.com. All natural soy wax candles, that promo code G-I-N-O. Going to get you 10% off your purchase. Let's get into NBA with Eric. Game three of the NBA Finals in the books. Milwaukee gets the win. Giannis has been incredible in his last two. We go over everything in games one through three. And uh, some thoughts uh, moving on to game four and the rest of the series here. NBA! Who's hot? Who's hot? Who's hot? Who's hot? Recording this Sunday night, you can hear my uh, son crying in the background there. Milo wanted to, to say hello. Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports, joining me again uh, as he had each and every week through the NBA season here on That's What G Said. Eric, buddy, we are now after Game 3 of the NBA Finals. We just saw Giannis and the Bucks really dominate um, the second half in particular. There was a little bit of a scare early when, the, when Phoenix kind of made a run. But now that's two games in a row where Giannis has been really impressive, and we have ourselves a series. You know, my Bucks plus 750 future still alive. Um, got a little carry there, and they cut just but that 16-0 run that the Bucks have to close the third. Kind of interesting. Booker just kind of sat there for the entire fourth quarter. That kind of stood out to me. Like I really don't know like why they went back in struggling and whatnot, but that was kind of interesting. The energy in the building was great, and you know they ball was moving in the offense instead of Holiday or, or offensive football. Um, whole game pounded the inside, and I really like the Suns and the Johnson a couple more minutes because you look good in that third quarter. Games, uh, game one 
we really didn't know what kind of version of Giannis we were going to see yet. We didn't know how healthy he was. He just he only took 11 shots. Um, he had 20 and 17, but he just he didn't quite look like himself. He was kind of figuring out what he could do with his body right now. And it's funny because I still wouldn't say he's a hundred percent, but he, in a weird way. That's almost become like a blessing in disguise for him because he's not really trying to do too much or get too cute. He's just going straight ahead. He's becoming really aggressive. And I think in the end of that, uh, it might have been the end of the Brooklyn series. It sort of felt like a couple of those games where he really figured out what he has to do now. He's not gotten as cute with the three-point shooting. And in particular today, he was making his free throws. That's always going to be a plus for him. But he's... You know, we we have to understand some of these players. It's not you don't just immediately figure it out on the court and and know exactly what you can and can't do. Right now, he's in a situation where it doesn't look like Phoenix can do a whole lot to stop him. And to your point, people really don't really reach their NBA maturity until about twenty eight. So I mean, he's still learning, figuring out the game and what it takes to be successful. And when he gets down low, he's basically like a bull in the china shop. No one can really hang with him. He's so physical and for. As low key is like off the court, and he is one guy I wouldn't want to f with under the glass, man. Because that guy is, and he doesn't care. He will pound bodies with you. I mean, he's tough. And if this is what we get, like this is get serious because the games one and games two, Suns played great. I mean, they hit double jumps, but there's always that little run where the Bucks cut it to eight, cut it to six, and had the momentum, and then it would be a a bad shot followed by a C, but. That didn't happen. The one, another thing that kind of stood out is the Bucks were getting a quality shot from Holiday, Giannis, or Lopez anytime they need. There was no like Brett Forbes corner three or Pat Connington corner three. They were relying on their four main guys. So it's they they have seemingly learned a little bit. They have seemingly made some adjustments. Game game one and game two when Phoenix scored exactly 118 points and and won both of them, they were able to get. Really good performances in game one. It was like a perfect kind of Phoenix game. They get spread around performances. You get uh, Aiton, Paul, and Booker having awesome games. Uh, Bridges, you know, plays well, and it's it's like it's exactly what they need. Get a little bit from Cam Johnson, a little bit from campaign off the bench, and they win that game uh, by thirteen. As Giannis is still kind of figuring it out, and then game two, it seems like the series maybe flipped a little bit. In game two, in that they've um, eight Aiton was good in game three, but they've they <clears throat> it seems like he's been a little bit more uncomfortable in his last couple games, and Aiton has sort of been the the X factor I think for Phoenix throughout the the playoffs this year. There were a lot of people, myself included, who just kind of assumed Aiton would be okay, but I, I don't think anybody thought we'd get as good of a version of him as we have throughout most of the uh, playoff series. I don't know if maybe he's a little bit tired now. With the, a lot of these really important games You know back to back to back to back And he's really the only big They have after him You know it was Sarich who's now out You Now you have Kaminsky needing to get minutes They don't have other bigs so that is Sort of you know he gets in foul trouble Or if he's not playing For 40 minutes at a very high level Phoenix is super beatable And that really changes the complexion Of their defense I know that he went out in that third quarter They went small and that's when that, you know Run him because they were able to get the ball down low. You, basketball in the slowest terms is rebounding and defense, and when you don't have a stellar big, someone that's comparable to get rebounds, it's difficult. And that's the Suns are up against anytime he's in foul trouble and he was in foul trouble. They go uh, 
a little bit smaller and yeah, they just can't get the rebounds and the Milwaukee is able to get second chances, put them back in. So we've now had back-to-back games where Giannis has scored 40 points. And, you know, now you look at the series overall as a whole, and now you think about it. It's funny how one game in these, in these series just flip, like one, one game sort of flips the narrative because after games one and two, the, the, the talking point was kind of, oh, wow, Giannis had this incredible game too. And it still wasn't enough to win But you really dig into that game Okay, game two That we got awful Awful games from Middleton and Drew Holiday Like really nothing From from either one of them And we got Phoenix Shooting 50% From three When you make 23 pointers You're most likely winning and so that, and that's not even Phoenix's game. That's not something that we can say, uh oh, they're in trouble because Phoenix is the type of team that will do that two or three times in a series. That's not who they are. They shoot a fine percentage. I think they were like a top 10 three point percentage shooting team, but they weren't a high three point clip team. So that was kind of an outlier game. If, if they just shoot 40% instead of 50, and Middleton or Drew Holiday make a shot or two more, all of a sudden the Bucks win that game. Now we're talking about the Bucks up two to one and them the the Suns not being able to stop Giannis. It, it's kind of funny how you can, you know, you can sort of manipulate the uh the stats or the narrative to to how you want to see it. And right now I kind of see it as the Bucks have played maybe have played better the last two games and more sustainably better. First game, Suns 25 for 20. You're not gonna she's that good, like you said. 20 for 40 for 50 percent like the suns just were good and you know you knew everything had to kind of return back to the norm Giannis ain't great i really don't think they have a card to stop them it's going to be interesting to see what kind of adjustment Monty makes to foreign you know what you said about narratives after the last game bucks were going to get swept mm-hmm. and devin booker is the next kobe bryant yep devin booker did not play one minute and he is going to get slammed in social media not social media by like what whatever show Skip Bayless has, or, <laughs> you know what I mean, and like Stephen A. and Colin Cowherd, all those guys are gonna slam him. You know, can he lead them? You know, you you know what I mean. Like yeah. all the narrative is once what is gonna happen is his point total is gonna be low for game four, and then you take that take that point total because you're not gonna get that. It was like you watch that game. Finally, they had Tucker not on Paul. They had Tucker on Book. And Holiday was picking up Paul full court, which I thought they should have done. And it's almost like Coach Bud was like, "Booker's going to get his. We want to stop the. We want to stop Paul because he's the guy that's running the offense and set it set and everything." But Booker just had a bad shooting night, and that's bound to happen. Now everyone's going to do great every single. And uh, this is like probably more the type of game you're going to get when Giannis plays well, and then you get anything at all from Middleton and Drew. They're going to be really tough to beat And that's exactly what happened tonight Giannis played great again He was 14 of 23 He had 41 points 13 rebounds 6 assists And a steal He was a plus 20 And Middleton was 6 of 14 He made 3 threes He also uh, he had 6 assists and 7 rebounds He And he had 18 points And Drew Holiday He was 5 of 10 for 3 He finally found his shot He was 8 of 14 overall He had 9 assists and 5 rebounds A steal and a block When they're playing well Like Drew had been playing really poorly So much so that people were even making the Bledsoe comparisons He he wasn't that bad Because at least Drew 
on his worst nights is still going to be really good defensively, really good. But when they're giving you this kind of uh, effort on the offensive end, like the Suns just don't have enough firepower when all three of the the Bucks quote unquote big three play well offensively. And someone that's playing that has been playing the wall of lens, but he's not getting a lot of pub to comes off the bench is Connington. Connington's been playing great. He's mm-hmm. been knocking some threes, getting some rebounds, crashing the boards, and being shocking, shocking the defense. And also back to your point about the big one of my friend that works NBA works team. He's been his main thing about the Bucks all year is like how these more of and Middleton essentially played the. He was the one mm-hmm. running the offense, and I really think that was you know, Marky's words of the adjustment by Coach Bud having the offense run through Middleton and him not looking for a shot. So, so we are, uh, yeah, we're literally just minutes after uh, Game Three and uh, twenty point victory for the Bucks as we you know get set up for Game Four now heading in. Have you seen an early look at the line? For game not, for game four, let's see if we can pull it up real quick. Yeah, let's see if we can pull it up and take a look um, as we. I mean, uh, I'd be guessing. Uh, yeah, yeah. Guess. And isn't uh, it isn't it funny because uh, this week right now? Okay, I'm it's, at FanDuel, yes, four. Bucks, Bucks minus four for uh, game four coming up, which is on Tuesday night. Is that right Wednesday. or Wednesday? Wednesday. Wednesday, because that's that's what's really funny about this. Um, Wednesday is normally what was referred to in sports as Black Wednesday. Because remember that's the day after the MLB All-Star break uh, The the day after the MLB All-Star game During the MLB All-Star break Which means there were no major professional sporting events Always every year based on the normal schedule Because normally the NBA wouldn't be still going right now The finals would have happened a few weeks ago The season would be over And so this would be I think one of the only days of the year Where there was like zero professional sports uh, to bet on or to play and actually, this year that won't happen because uh, this NBA game is going to fall on Wednesday. So it's kind of like an interesting thing to think about. I remember always talking about that day with my dad when there's nothing, nothing going on for us degenerates. Or, and now, obviously, there's you know there's race tracks and there's there's soccer and there's more stuff internationally. But uh, that was always like of of the major big sports here in the in the U.S. So we're gonna have Game Four coming up on Wednesday. Bucks as uh, about a four point favorite or so. If you uh, you know jump on that right now early on, if if, if I'd imagine that probably I think that probably moves in Milwaukee's way up like to four and a half to five ish. I think it's your back and a half. And we'll yeah, go back. That seems pretty steady. Maybe like a, just somewhere in that. You know, I I want to know the book. That, like that's the that stood out to me. Why didn't you know? I mean, like what's the like is the point for Monty? You know what I mean? Like. I don't know. That's the one stood out to see what I can find on the internet and Twitter, but that's what I wanted for. I lock it. I will for sure. I'll be on. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you wonder, is it, it's a physical thing. Is it, was it just a mental thing? Like you said, didn't seem to be physical and he shot three for 14 and, and just one of seven for three. Uh, Chris Paul had a fine game. He was eight of 14 from the field. Aiden had a fine game. He was, you know, eight of 11 from the field and he had a, he had 18 points himself, but they need, more than that, they got a good game from Crowder. He he had six threes, and you know if you're Phoenix, you you probably want to look around and go. Not one of our big three where they need Aiton, Chris Paul, and Booker. Not one of their big three really had a a great game, and and it's it you don't like throwing away games like they got from Crowder. Like you look at at when Crowder hits six threes, you're supposed to win that game, right? Oh yeah, sure. I mean. Because that's icing on the cake. Like, that's, that's that's like extra that you're not really expecting. You're expecting a couple threes from him. When he shoots six or seven from three, you got to get a little bit more from one of them. So um, as much as, yeah, you know, they're up 2-0, we've seen in this playoff series, you got to try to win games that, that feel, you know, 
sort of winnable and or in situations that you know you don't want to squander them and um you know this might have been that kind of a game on paper where you get such a great effort from Crowder but you just don't get a whole lot more especially from from Booker very little from him and you mentioned uh, we hey, didn't see him down the stretch Bridges was kind of MIA. He had 14-27, and I think he only had like four or six tonight. He had four shots. He had four shots. Bridges was MIA tonight, too. Um, Cam Johnson, um, for quarter, dunk Jay Tucker. Still no idea what kind of go double to lead to that fast break. But, um, yeah, I mean, he just didn't play well. With how good they were, you guys need bounds to happen. This was a must win. And that- it's, fu- it's funny. I love Lonnie Williams. He's done an excellent job this year, but it's really funny. So um, there's were a couple of the quotes I'm just reading um, that he had after the game. So Monty Will- this is from Trevor Booth, who uh, is the reporter for uh, a reporter in Phoenix for the Sun Devil Source and and the Sporting News and the other stuff. He said Monty Williams says, "quote There's a lot of way you can, you can spin it. They play with a great deal of aggression for longer stretches. We knew it was coming." Um, he said he talked to Booker about the game and the force necessary to win, just normal stuff. He said, you know, this is the kind of game you'd normally just flush from the regular season, but since it's the finals, you can't do that. And then, so those things are fine, but he always does things like this where, you know, people like him, so they don't take it as him complaining as much. But Monty Williams says, I don't want to complain about officiating, but we had 16 free throws tonight and one guy, Giannis, had 17. And, you know, DeAndre Ayton will grow from this and, and the foul trouble. Okay, one, they've been pretty well officiated all playoffs. Like, they've gotten the benefit of the doubt with a lot of things, especially having Chris Paul on their team. There have been few times where I think there was one game against the Clippers where it really stood out that maybe they weren't getting many calls. But they've gotten a lot, and he did this exact same thing in the series against the Lakers. The Lakers went up 2-1, and he he complained about how many free throws Anthony Davis shot. And then the next few games... The the rest of the Lakers didn't get any calls. AD got hurt, and it was that wasn't the reason why Phoenix was going to beat them. But you you know you say something like that, and you know it's going to kind of flip back for you the other way. And when you watch this game, the problem with that statement was what he said before. Milwaukee was much more aggressive, and Phoenix in general is a jump shooting team. They're a mid range team with Booker and Chris Paul, so they're probably not going to get as many free throws. Just in general in general, So it's never weird that they're not Shooting as many free throws as a team Like a Milwaukee or a team like the Lakers Or other teams that they played That have guys that get to the line more That That's why it's funny when he says Things like that because he knows what he's doing It's the total Phil Jackson kind of thing That he used to do because now Whether or not they want to the referees are thinking About that before they head into the next game I mean did he watch game one where There was one point where Booker was nine For the line and Bucks had yet to attempt one, or when there was like something crazy. But Bucks were two of four from the line, or twelve for twelve. Um, Middleton three throw attempts uh, this game, the series. So I mean, like, I get it what he's doing, but it's going to be interesting to see like how the next. But that but the Milwaukee, that's a tough place to play. They've only lost one game this year in the playoffs, and that was the um, game one to the Hawks, which kind of slept a lot through it. That that play, that building's a tough little to play. And I think outside of Milwaukee, they said there were twenty five thousand people there standing oh out God. out front, which and is like. But also at that place is there are like one. There's like five or six bars right, all right around there. No, yeah. like literally like right where the people are, right next, and they have balconies that overlook. I mean, it isn't everything that's down there, and that's all owned by the Bucks. 
That is. So, I mean, they're probably talking. They're probably everywhere in the restaurant, in the bars. But you know, what I mean, it is definitely underrated. Because I mean, I I sold my finals tickets. I'm not going to because I like. My, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. like, I you mean, can... I'm getting like you know I, but you know I re up my package. Uh, awesome. And you get to you make a few bucks. You're excited. You're you get to sit at home and you know play some the way that you play too. And the like how serious of a gambler you are. It's always nice to be in your setup in your with your with the ability to do your in game and everything kind of live if you have to. You know, sometimes it gets a little iffy when you're trying to do that somewhere else. Like it's nice to be at home with your setup during big games that you want to be firing on too. Oh my god, exactly. Like I have not been to Arlington Park. I went last Saturday, like yesterday. Like I was completely thrown off. Like, yeah, it's pocket. fun. It's fun, but oh, you're. I had a blast, but you know what I mean. It's just, yeah, you know, I had stuff in my pockets, finding the D that had Alice Park on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just pens everywhere. Like I was just off. I mean, this is the last year of Arlington. The girls there were insane, trying to like flirting on, just mixing everything in, dude. It was. <laughs> it took me a little while to. So. We uh, we know the line is around four right now. Um, you said you'll probably wait to get a little bit more information. Uh, kind of checking out everything was I okay see, with. I just want to see with Booker. Like I want to see Booker. Like, what's up with that? Also, um, you know, I said it last time I was on. I have um, my buddy with the box. Um, I also found it odd. Like, what's up with cardio? Like, yeah. he came out in the first first quarter. Like, really, there's something going. Like, I want to. I don't know. I just want details. I don't jump on the line right away. Right away. Yep. Makes sense. It doesn't seem like it's going to move all that much either one way or the other. So, yeah, that's not and a... Plus, like, with live betting, so much, so many options. Like, I love Bucks first half. That was one square that was four, and the half time was minus and a half. I just beam. I got him at plus 106, locked that in straight, and parlayed it with Sabadol starts in a little bit. <laughs> Eric, anything else uh, about the uh, current NBA final series you want to discuss before we... Uh... We'll wrap up and talk a, a couple other uh, uh, topics for, uh, and other basketball stuff. Anything else you want to hit? This is when the series always, this is the game four. This is when, like, you basically what everyone, and this is when. We've seen the adjustment and then the readjustment so yeah. far, right? We've kind and of this, seen that, right. And this is when the actually how the players are. Because defenses are good, you know, as much as we criticize coaches, they wouldn't be coaching at this level if they weren't. You know what I mean? Like. So you get to see, like, players, do they have that third or fourth way to generate? You know, we're seeing Giannis, who really hasn't done it before, like, on jumpers. Giannis rolling hard with a good roll. You know, what's Paul going to do? That's, that's why I want to get a coach. I go chess man. This was a, another stat that somebody uh, talked about or posted uh, right now about. Uh, this was Sam Quinn from CBS. He's been on the show for, uh, before with me. Um, it was talking about the uh, the Suns and Monty Williams post uh, posting about the free throws. So the Bucks won by twenty. Phoenix has averaged eighteen point seven free throws attempt uh, attempted per game. They shot sixteen. That's pretty much par for the course. Giannis has averaged almost eleven free throws per thirty six minutes since twenty nineteen. So shooting seventeen isn't abnormal for him. The Suns aren't built to draw a lot of fouls. They shouldn't be surprised when they don't. That was exactly what we were just saying. You know, yeah. like so. Um, you know, great, great numbers there to, uh, to kind of piggyback the points that we were just talking about as, um, well, let me this... ask you this. I saw this and it made me think I was posted. Like I follow a lot of bucks going up there a lot. And one guy posted, he's like, do you guys think that media now hates Giannis because it's their way of bullying to go to a bigger market like they did with LeBron when he, and one other and, and Garnett when he... it's, it's funny. Like they, um, They've really flipped on on this guy quite a bit, and and like you were the one who was pointing out how young he is, and comparing his age to some of the other 
you know, great superstars and when they've won their first titles. And if he wins now, he's going to this year, he's going to be ahead of them. Keep in mind, he's doing this right now after he had an injury that looked like he was done. Like we thought he was done and he's yeah. doing this. I mean, like people, for, I was like sick to my stomach. My mom, huge basketball fan, called me crying. Like, you know, it was, you thought like he missed the playoffs and probably missed all of that. And he's out there dropping back to absolutely mind boggling. And also, I want a friend that's like a hype man, like Giannis is the brother. I mean, that guy at sideline, he hypes everybody. Everyone needs someone like that in their life, right? Everyone needs a hype man like that. (laughs) Everyone does. So um, we, you know, this is one thing that's it's been really interesting about Phoenix and the run they've been on right now through the the playoffs. So they could actually have. Three series that we, you know, we just talked about it. I think that, you know, they shot lights out in game two and, and they, you know, it probably was a game that you're, they're not going to win over and over and over again, shooting that kind of a clip. You look at what happened in the first series against the Lakers, where Lakers are up 2 1, AD goes down. Um, when they play the Clippers, Kawhi's not in the mix. And, you know, there were probably two games that the Clippers kind of gave away late with Paul George missing some of the free throws and games where like the other ugly game where nobody was able to kind of hit a shot and close and close that one out. They it doesn't matter. We talked about this with the Bucks leading into the finals. It's funny because we will talk about it afterwards, but there's no asterisk. There's no fine print when you win. It doesn't matter how you do it. It's just that you do it. The Suns could be in a unique situation where they could have been maybe outplayed in in multiple series that they end up winning and then still winning it all. And that, you know what, like there's something to them and Chris Paul and the way that they're led with Monty Williams that they like they figure it out because, hell, they didn't play very well today. Like we said, this this series could have easily been two on the other way if, if Milwaukee just got a little bit more from from Middleton and, and Drew in game game two. And for as much as Milwaukee looked great, all of a sudden, if if the Suns come back out and win Game Four, they're up three one and and heading home in the total driver's seat. Yeah, I mean, like stuff, can, and that's as fans better tend to overreact. Like, I'll be honest, my betting sleep when I stopped watching like Colin Cowherd, you know, all the main, like, like a lot shows, of the main, like the main. And I just started like doing my my stuff, your like, own work. You do yeah, your own like work. That's and I know stop narrative, and I before like. When I watch the, usually watch to get the sound off, just so that yep. way I don't hear what like, Jackson and Gundy are saying. And yeah, I there's some crews that I like. There's yeah. some crews I like a lot. You know, like uh, like a Romo, for example. I like Romo a lot. There's some NFL guys that I listen to, and I'll, I'm very curious because they kind of help with the game. And even some in basketball, like I, I know exactly what you mean. It's just you get the Skip Bayless, the Colin Cowherd stuff, Kendrick Perkins stuff. Now he's out there a lot. It's very hot takey. It's it's guys that watch clips or that watch the the one game of the week when everyone's watching on ESPN, but they're not watching every other game and seeing a lot of things that are happening throughout the night in, night out. So uh, I know exactly that's why I think you do what you do, and what I I do this show here too because I, I watch and listen to a lot of things out there, and it kind of frustrates me when I can. The one of the funnier, more frustrating things is when you've when you've watched something. And you can tell somebody else has not, or you know, has, has just has not put in the work, and they're kind of talking out of their ass a little bit. Um, so, uh, like that's Stephen yeah. A. Smith, yeah, in a nutshell, yeah. Gets his and, cliff notes, goes out there and talks. Yep, yep. And we can see sometimes when it's like, uh oh, he'll make a mistake, and it's like 
they inputted the wrong information into the computer. You know, it's almost like that. It's like there's a glitch in the robot, you know, because Stephen A works his ass off and he works. He goes all over, but he's spread so thin sometimes that, um, you know, he's at the UFC the other night and SBs. And then he's at uh, he's going to be tomorrow. I'm sure we're we're recording this Sunday night. He'll be Monday morning. I'm doing the, uh, you know, the first take that all that stuff. So um, curious if Milwaukee and Giannis can tie this up. On Wednesday night, game four of the NBA Finals There was uh, some other NBA stuff, well, basketball stuff to discuss Not really NBA, except for the fact that a ton of the NBA players were involved Eric, our U.S. team, Team USA, lost in its first exhibition game on Saturday night to Nigeria 90-87 to Coming into the game, U.S. The USA had been 54-2 and in exhibition games since they started playing them in 1992 with the pros, with the Dream Team. In uh, nine years ago, they beat Nigeria in the London Olympics by 83 points. When they played Nigeria five years ago in an exhibition, they beat them by 43. Now, this Nigeria team does have seven NBA players, and the U.S. team, our American team, doesn't have a full complement. But keep in mind, we have five all NBA players. We started five all NBA players in in here. We, this was not like a bunch of scrubs that we were sending out. This team, Durant played 28 minutes, Tatum played 27 minutes, Bradley Beal played 25, Lilliard played 27. You're telling me with those four guys you can't win? That Bam Adebayo who played 17, Jeremy Grant, your boy, he played 16, uh Draymond Green, Zach Levine, in the mix, and they had uh, uh, Kevin Love, Darius Garland, and Sadiq Bey as like the final guys on the bench, and they're cleaning things up until some of the guys in the finals are going to be there. Keep in mind, I think Middleton and Drew and Booker yeah, are, are all uh, are all going to join after the finals, but so they'll get a little more help. But they still should be able to win a game like this with that talent out there, man. This is embarrassing. Oh, I mean, Nigeria shot lights out. But this is one of those times you kind of have to sit back. This is in Las Vegas. Those guys are just playing Nigeria. Chances are pretty high those guys were all out. But you know what I mean? Like, I get it. People overreacting. I just stock it. It's kind no. of eye-opening. No. But I mean, like, what people also forget is the difference between those guys that are in the NBA and, like, the all, like, one of those guys in Tatum is less than the difference between, like, me and you and one of those guys. In the- yep. Those guys are still insanely good. And, like... When you play at that level, and you have a point shot in the international line, I believe it's, it's closer. Yeah, they're going to make you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's like, I get, like, after it happening, me, like, getting back and processing everything, get it, but it is kind of eye-opening. You go play, like, the Spains of the world. Um, little worries to win this gold medal. And what's going to happen, like, if Phoenix and Milwaukee go seven, and I'm middle booker. I know. And holiday, I'm like, sorry, guys. I, I can't do this. We got a short yeah. turnaround again. We know that this season's starting back up at in October. I can't. I don't know how they're 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 going to be able to do that. Uh, I, I just, I yeah, not, I, I don't know. I wouldn't it, exhibition Las Vegas. Those guys probably were out at the club. You know, I just yeah. I don't. I don't think I'm like worried about it or anything. It's just always like we've seen it happen so few times in history. Now this the. Uh, um, that it, 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 it's pretty eye-opening uh, when they do have, you know, the Durants and Lilliards and Beal and Tatum, guys like that out there. Uh, 
playing for them. And like you said, uh, Nigeria hit 20 of 42 threes. So um, big shot, you know, lights out from three. Um, And I'm sure anymore. I know we did that in 96 to grow the game. Yeah. I mean, look at it. It's great. It worked. It did exactly what we wanted. You know, we have all this coming. You know, why are we sending pros? He's sending like our college. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Kate Cunningham. Yeah, this should have been like a Zion-led yeah. team, maybe. If you know, like the the early like round of rookies or them, like depending on you know, it's every four years. So where you are, I liked the, I liked how it was kind of for a while where it's like the young guys go once, you know, and then try yeah. to win it, and then and then like they let the next group of younger guys go and, and go do it, you know. Um, it yeah, it's always like oh my gosh, we lost. Then uh, I, I Popovich said it too afterwards. It's sort of one of those things where he said, in a way, I'm kind of glad it happens. It means nothing if we don't learn from it. It, might, it could be the most important thing. So what what it does is it it lets them know, okay, hey, keep in mind now, this is a different era of basketball all around the world. Not only in the NBA, everybody shoots the three, spreads it out, plays quicker, plays faster, plays a little bit more of an offensive game. All the bigs can hit threes. So your margin of error when there's that kind of volatility in the game, your margin of error is is a little smaller because, you know, other teams now can hit the threes at that clip. So does that mean they're going to do it all the time? No, but maybe one out of 30 games, this could happen where a team that's not nearly as good as you could just shoot the lights out and beat you. And that's something that didn't happen like 15 or 20 years ago. No, I mean, like in this day and age with shooting and the offenses, people can get hot and tight. What happens if that's like a medal round? You know what I mean? Like in the semifinals, the gold medal game, how do you react? And I think popular something that you happen, these guys' eyes, so they are locked in. One uh, other basketball note before we move on and talk a little bit about the fantasy uh, league and draft that you and I are currently in. So this, I just saw this pop up on, on StatMuse. Giannis in the finals, one week after hyperextending his knee, 34.3 points per game yeah, so far through uh, – through the three games, uh, 14 rebounds, 4.7 assists, 1.3 steals, 1.3 blocks, 62.5% from the field, and he's shooting 66% from the free throw line on 15.7 attempts per game. That is some damn good uh, stuff from Giannis through three games while he's not 100%. Still getting better. Like I said, people don't reach their NBA maturity. He is doing nothing but just getting better and better and just think about why like this game in particular the confidence he had with the shooting if that's the next step in the game like i mean the sky is really the limit we really think about when you think about his background and how he got into the eric uh let's uh transition and uh discuss a little bit uh, about the fantasy league that you and i are in we're doing a a long um, a long draft that started on the 4th of July So we've been going for a, a week now Where um, we have a, a 12 team fantasy league uh, ESPN And uh, a lot of the, the the players throughout the league Are all folks who uh, provide fantasy content Either in written form or podcasts or shows or videos They're all um, fantasy players People who have been involved and played the game for a long time Some really sharp fantasy minds there And it, what's been fun about this is You know, we've been having this draft uh, long-standing we kind of been posting a lot about it on Instagram And you will have a little trash talk back and forth But it it will help 
everyone out there because we're drafting a lot earlier than most people are, and we're kind of doing it on purpose to give everybody else a little bit of a template, a little bit of an idea of some of the things that we're looking for, and maybe some players to uh, to kind of mark down and keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, this draft has been. I find it a draft that mm-hmm. you can take your time, no yeah. rush. I mean, I um, every started last year, I always publish a draft guide using that to make my picks. And like I said. When I was on before, like, like it's nothing big that I'm doing. Like, whoever's on the top of my that you're just taking. I'm just a one. Even when I took, I took Madison. Madison was the top player remaining on my draft board. That's like why you know I took going off my draft list. My slowly in shape. I still, I still need to pull a trigger on the quarterback. I'm still slowly waiting for a trigger on the quarterback. But I mean, that's what I'm think about it. Two years ago, Lamar Jackson had that historic. So he put up the second most quarter points ever for a quarterback at the fantasy position. And because of that, he was drafted in round. His average, he was about 24. Last year's um, highest was Josh Allen, and his, he was like 110. So, I mean, you can get the value in the rounds. And Especially I at the quarterback position. Yeah, I have a guy, so I know draft. It's just, I don't know when I'm going to pull that trigger because there's a lot of value in them. Um, and also one thing, there's certain players like, um, like last year I was, I felt he was too high. Way too high. Of running style. And you were right. Match. He wasn't didn't in between match. the tackles yeah. guys. Yeah. Didn't match to the offensive line. Um, this year, which offensive line has took the biggest hits that you step back. Pittsburgh Steelers and everyone's drafting Nigel that whatever his name is, Harris, the kid from, um, Alabama, the rookie, everyone's drafting him. I think he went in the first round in our like, that's somebody I would never touch just because I value off the line like so much. So, I mean, there's so much stuff, like, you consider and, like, the draft guide I, I hand out. Like, I list, like, every book for, and I'm just kind of going through that and building my team. And so far, you know, I have this, I had the first pick McCaffrey and Dobbin. Looks handcuffed. I kind of like the How do you feel about your team? Yeah, um, and and for me, most, most of the time, I'm kind of in the situation that you are where I'm sort of going best player available. I think that's how you have to try to approach a lot of them. Um, but sometimes I, I make a, I make an adjustment or I call an audible de- depending on how the draft is starting to go. And like where I was sitting in this particular draft, um, I I kind of got into a spot where a, there was a big run on running backs, all of the like solid running backs. Anyone that was going to sniff anything like an RB1 was immediately gone, which is not surprising. But then we got really deep in through the into the backs early in this draft. And so I was sitting in a spot where um, I decided, you know what, where I am now, I don't want to go and and grab a back in this spot. I'm going to wait a couple more rounds to do so. And so I kind of filled my team in around that Waited, waited, waited And so I was able to slot in a Murray At quarterback, I was able to slot in a Mark Andrews And feel like I should probably be able To get the top, one of the top five In those positions with a Murray And a Mark Andrews I got, I'm got. i really pleased with my uh, with my RB1 and Nick Chubb And then the way that I've, I've got my team And I'm really pleased with my receivers With Diggs and McLaren I think uh, McLaren's going to have a really nice year this year I think Fitz is just going to be uh, magic for him And kind of really unlock him um, and then the way I, I kind of looked at my backs is I've just got like a bunch of backs that are all really, really questionable, like question marks, but they have high, high ceilings. Someone like Mostert, who I think he could be a, a, a nice, like RB two for the first five or six weeks of the year. And then maybe he doesn't stay healthy. Maybe the young guy 
usurps him there And then you know I need to kind of fill in Another RB2 that's fine I've got someone like Daryl Henderson From the Rams where if Akers gets hurt He's the guy and there's no There's not a lot of other depth there in the backfield So even with Akers Henderson should still be able to carve out a role for himself And I kind of I have similar with um, Latavius Murray and with Daryl Williams Latavius Murray from New Orleans We don't really know what that New Orleans offense Is going to look like this year without Drew Brees I'm kind of curious to see Another situation where Kamara gets hurt He's a great handcuff to have And then Daryl Williams too um, In Kansas City this year I think he has a, a major opportunity behind CEH And as you said CEH isn't really an in-between the tackles guy He's someone that that can um, Maybe even become playable on a weekly basis As like a, a touchdown vulture So I kind of gave myself you know, Three or four um, Really good backups or handcuffs To where if one of them hit And they become someone that can be a weekly starter for me I'm in good shape I mean, I like to get Chubb, Mozart, and one of the things I do, I feel it's not the running back, it's the running mm-hmm. I mean, Cleveland, Shanahan the are 49ers, probably the two best. They have the two best running, so you're locked in, so you have the lead guys. And you know they're locked. just going to stick yeah. with it, right? They're going to, they're going to run. They're, they, they have to. It's great. Like, very rarely are we going to see those teams Abandon the run in a game and, and and almost never Even when they're down and down early They still get creative with the run And so I just feel confident When you're drafting somebody really high In one of your high spots Like I, like you, you, hit it, you hit it exactly For me I was looking going Okay these are two good running games That I feel consistent about getting volume with them And so I I I feel steady about them, and then after that, I take a lot of chances, um, some lottery tickets, and if one or one or two of the four or five that I take hit, which is always going to happen, it's inevitable. Some of these guys are going to get injured, um, or the opportunity changes. Then then I'm in good shape. Um, and also, you also have Kyler Murray. Is like a running back, and it's like a running back and a quarterback. Yeah, and Mark, and who like how I feel in tight end. There's like eight good guys. Everyone else, huge question mark. Like I, I have, I have, a, I have no like. Basically, my year is is Noah Fant going to be what I think he is, or is he going to suck? He you is, got one great. of the top three. You got one of the top three that sure is going to be about ten. Waller and Kelsey. Those guys are going to at the bare minimum ten pretty much every week. That's your. Yep. So I mean, you're ahead of the curve in my eyes. I mean, you're really good. Yeah, just a little different, you know. So I feel like um, I'm, I'm probably I don't have. Four or five running backs that I necessarily feel confident in being week in week out right now But um, you know you can usually you'll find some of those and um, a couple other wide receivers that you know Debo Samuel the type of guy from San Francisco who you know he stays healthy He has monster games and we'll see what what the you know if things are a little bit better for them there with different quarterback play We'll we'll see who knows what the quarterback situation is going to be like for them Um, And then a couple guys who are in in, um, in situations where they're going to be getting a lot of volume. Corey Davis in in uh, with the with the Jets, and then John Brown, like he might be battling for the number one wide receiver job with the Raiders. It's rare where a tight end targets that would be so. I mean, right there, we're going to have mm-hmm. whoever's going to target their number one target. Yep, Brown Andrews. You know, which is huge. You know, your team. You know, is in a great position, and you know, it's just all about you know taking swings. Like I feel like. OBJ, like, for as good as the Browns running game, they're still going to have to throw the ball. They're still going to be – I mean, I got OJ, I think, in the seventh round. He got That's hurt. such a great spot. Um, Tyler Boyd was a top 10 wide receiver fantasy when Joe Burrow was healthy. When Burrow went down, I was in the 10th round. And I really think um, Mark Carroll Hardman, the uh, 
a breakout star this year, especially when you think about Tyree. So, I mean, I, I took some swings on some guys. Like, I think Mike has a lot of potential. Could it be good if everything goes right? Yeah. But, I mean, I still have McCaffrey and Dobbins. I'm going to be relying on 40 points every week, too. Make sure to give Eric a follow on Instagram at etoff21sports and then at etoff21. Is it under – what's the, the fantasy one? At etoff21sports underscore fan. Yep. And uh, we'll, you'll find a lot of information. Eric will, will post um, uh, when he makes picks a lot of the time, and he'll kind of go over a couple of the picks that he made and some of the reasons why. You'll also be able to find uh, any information there about the, the blogs and the podcast, etoff21sports on Twitter too. You can get all the good stuff there. Eric will always uh, be sharing some of his his plays. He'll give some free plays out there. If you're someone who wants uh, even more stuff, you can DM him, and he'll give you uh, information on, on uh, and everything he's got going on and always – whether it's a good day or a bad day, you uh, you kind of responded to mine the other day. I had some just biblical baseball beats uh, over the last week, and some of these games. It's funny because now since they um, they flipped with the, the the foreign substances and they've been locking down a little more. In the last two weeks, I've seen more five or six run innings than I can like ever remember. Team like games where you're just sitting pretty with these unders, and then you get one inning like that, and it's just, just flip. brutal. Just flip. Just brutal and I had like three or four of them in a row to where you know you get in one of those stretches where you can only laugh because you just keep doing the work the same way and you know that you know if when you're someone who plays as much as we do in as many different sports and games and fantasy and this and that it's you always have to be process over results. You always do. You can't like freak out about the results, even when they're there. Because you got to look at the process, understand. Okay, was I did I have sort of the right flow? Was I in the right place? And yeah, when you were, you know, when you get into the, um, you know, even, even today, which was funny. Like I'm a big Dodger fan, and I Nick, I never, very real, I never bet the Dodgers because they're always minus two hundred. You know, they're always heavy, heavy chalk, so I can't ever bet them. And I, I even when I, even I probably wouldn't even bet them on the run line very often because they're just usually like an an uh, like undervalued chalk even you know like they're just a, a higher favorite than they should be but today i thought uh you know they scored 22 runs on saturday amiro kelly's been pitching great great for the d-backs he's won four in a row for them and, and he's beat some good teams and uh, the d-backs were plus 225 and they were up four to one in the eighth inning today against the dodgers and the dodgers after um when they've been losing going into uh going into the seventh inning this year they're one in twenty-four, which doesn't seem possible for a team that's that good. They they don't have one walk-off win this year until today. <laughs> oh they, my God. they scored six runs in the eighth and ninth. They scored three. Oh. In, they scored three in the eighth, and then they came back and Muncie hit a walk-off three-run home run in the ninth. So it, it was it went from that D-backs up four to one to D-backs losing seven four within that, two that's, innings. That's brutal. <laughs> That's, that's a nasty, brutal. That's a nasty but, one. But, but yeah. back to your, I mean, like, for, I mean, I use these tracking apps. I have my spreadsheets that have up on my website because I, I want to see like you are winning. Money. You're not going to win every like to, to accept that. But at the end of the day, if you're winning money, a positive ROI, that means your thought process, the approach. It's it's about and the approach. That's what it's about. Any times where the ball bounces your way, any times when it doesn't bounce, and if it doesn't bounce your way, you have to constructively look at it and say, okay. I lost my D-backs bet, it would come back. I was definitely outside. Yep. Move on to the next day, no harm, no foul. I know it sucks because it's money for your betting. You have to. That's the way, that's the way you have to win. And I know, like, like I've said this to you, like, we've been talking like, off recording before. Um, my volume, like, 
betting MLB from goes down right now, yeah. March to like second week. There's just a huge like like a huge vacuum and completely stops. I think I've bet since June fifteenth, I've bet four game like four bets, same bet. Um I have a Tigers first five and Pittsburgh first five and my my just goes down just because like I said, the teams that I bet on, because I bet a lot of like, Yeah, that's all I bet too. Yeah. Basically a, So we're betting bad teams. Yeah. Yeah. You like, know, so they've mailed it in, you know, I've mm-hmm. been going out the night before. You know, I just my volume goes down and plus like my I love this is like the time of year lock it in football and we're less than Rep. a month away from uh, the Hall of Fame, as yep. crazy as that sounds. We so got uh, a few days out from uh, Saratoga and Del Mar opening up. We're gonna have a lot of good summer racing going on there, and um, the uh, this week's one too with the uh, the home run derby. I always uh, put a, put a bet or two in on that and uh, pick pick one or two because you get some fun odds. I think I, I think could you pull that up right now if you have a sec? I think if you see if you can see something, I think I saw like Otani around plus three hundred, and then everything kind of after that. I think he was the favorite, and then it's like from from plus three hundred to to like ten to one or so. Does that look right? I am pulling up. Yeah, because there's uh that tur- right they got the tournament bracket style for the uh, the home run derby on Monday night where uh, Otani's the number one seed. Uh, they got eight eight in the in the setup, and uh, you know. Uh, you, you yeah, want to move on. Duel, it's Otani's plus. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, all the way down seventeen to one. They also have they also have like matchups. Cool. Uh, yeah, the head to head is minus two twenty five. Soto. Wants, wants Soto and Soto Soto can jack. Them. I was gonna I say mean, so like he shouldn't be the eight value. seed. Soto should not be the eight seed in this. That that's not an easy first round matchup for Otani. If I were gonna try to go underdog in like a head to head, that would be one where I'd go the other way because you know. Ev- Who's playing Soto? Everybody's playing Otani. They want to see Otani. Like all of the the at like the people who are putting a few bucks on home run derby to have fun and watch with with their buddies and have a beer. They're all betting Otani. They want to see that. So that might be an interesting one to go the other way. Yeah. I mean that I, that would, if I'm looking for a little action, throw some on. Um, and then uh, Matt Old, huge favorite against Trey Mancini. I mean, look at Mancini there. But and then they have. Props in the matchup. Gallo uh, plus five fifty. We're under on longest home runs five nights. But did home you see that story about people getting arrested in a hole? Oh my! Like down the dog, the the yeah. gun she tipped them off. Yeah, yeah. that like, was scary stuff, man. What's going on in the woods? Like, that is geez. crazy. And that was this week at Coors. That's the other added element too. This is gonna, it's at Coors Field. Oh, the yeah. whole so, derby could be a blast. Like those things could be just flying out of there. At Coors, so uh, yeah, a couple fun days coming up in baseball uh, with the home run derby and the All Star game, and then we'll get into the second half of the baseball season. We get Game Four of the NBA Finals, uh, and we're getting into uh, the big racing meets. And as Eric said, we are less than two months away now from the NFL, so a busy, busy time in the world of sports. Make sure to give Eric a follow, Etoff Two One Sports, there on Twitter and Instagram, and also uh, give him the follow on the other uh, fantasy one. Uh, he just mentioned before Eric buddy I think uh, I just saw a message uh, You're up on the clock for your next pick So I'm very curious to see in the next day or so Who you're picking in the uh, the King of Lions Fantasy League And yeah, I, a, I, I was the draft was back up. The guy in front of me Literally just just so, snagged him So you gotta re- I mean, focus yeah, it, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta sleep on it I don't know if I pull the trigger on my quarterback now Or just wait a little bit Until the later rounds defense I don't know. I mean, I, I sleep on it. Just, uh, just kind of go, go from there. 
So, and one other thing, uh, my draft guide, $8.99, reorder, and it's live, $12.99 live, and I ship nice. it out. If you guys are interested in that, just give me a DM and uh, start the ordering process. Perfect. I'll make sure to give that a, a plug, and we'll uh, we'll push that out there. You hear to Eric here, all, the, all that great information that's going to help you uh, and with everything you need in your fantasy league or multiple leagues like a lot of us are playing. Eric, buddy, thank you so much. We'll uh, we'll uh, see what's going on in a few days and uh, and uh, and uh, how these NBA finals have changed. I mean, hopefully we get uh, a game five and I can first half under a game. But, uh, <laughs> a game five where it's two, but we'll see. Thank you so much again, Eric, helping us out, buddy. And uh, we'll talk to you again in a few days. All right, sounds good. Talk soon. Be sure to give Eric a follow there. Do not go anywhere, folks. Plenty more here on That's What G Said. Game three of the NBA Finals in the books. On to game four. We'll talk a little later on in the week with Eric Moore uh, as the uh, NBA Finals continues. We move along to MLB. Let's talk a little baseball as it is all-star break time. Monday going to be the Home Run Derby. Tuesday going to be the All-Star Game. We'll get to those in a moment. Uh, We'll start having some weekly Dodger segments here, uh, focusing in on the Dodgers, and we'll also have another uh, baseball segment or two with different baseball guests throughout the week. So lots of baseball coverage to go along with our continued Marvel recaps, Star Wars stuff, all the Del Mar and Saratoga stuff throughout the, uh, the summer for you. We will have tons of getting ready for NFL football previews. So just a quick look around uh, around baseball. Um, the American League East uh, Red Sox with just a, an incredible first half. 55 wins. 55 and 36 even with a couple losses to end. Uh, didn't really enjoy what they did uh, on Saturday against Philly when they allowed eight runs in the, uh, in the top of the eighth and I needed the under there. Uh, but uh, that's a different story. Tampa not far behind them. Well, only uh, only one game in the loss column behind them. And the Yankees, such a disappointing way to end the, their first half of the season on Sunday, blowing a massive lead late after that big win by Cole on Saturday. All that, Yankees are still three games over five hundred though. And they've got plenty of time left if they can, you know, figure some things out, get some sort of a spark. The White Sox with an eight-game lead in the American League Central. Indians are behind them at 45 and 42, so just two teams over 500 in that division there. And uh, the White Sox, even with all of their injuries, they end the uh, the in the first half with a five-game win streak, and they have a plus 117 run differential. The Indians won three in a row. Uh, kind of a zigzaggy division to end the uh, the end the first half. Indians. White Indians won three in a row. White Sox won five in a row. And the Twins, maybe they can get some sort of momentum built as they won four straight to uh, end the first half of their year. But they're still they're 15 games behind the White Sox now. They're 39-50, the Twins. In the American League West, the Astros are three and a half games ahead of the Oakland A's, who sort of struggled down the stretch. They were 4-6 and six over their last 10, but they did win uh, their final two games. And the Mariners are five games over five hundred with a, a fine start to the season for them. The Angels also a game over five hundred, so at 44, 45-44 uh, with uh, Otani just picking them up and carrying them to some wins, even with the injuries to Trout and the poor pitching. In the National League, only one team over five hundred, and that's the Mets. You got to say the Braves have been one of the bigger disappointments so far, and then the Braves just got some 
awful news that uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be done for the year with an ACL injury. He's expected to miss 10 months. He was leading the Braves in batting average home runs and stolen bases. He was leading all of Major League Baseball in runs scored. He was just the fifth player to have at least 100 home runs and 75 stolen bases at age 23 or younger. Trout, Andrew Jones, A-Rod, and Ken Griffey Jr. were the others. So just devastating news for a team who was already having a bad year. He tried to make a a great play in the outfield, and he just, like his gait was just slightly off when he came back down. He extended himself a little too far, and that's just horrible news for the Braves who had been struggling already. In the National League Central, the Reds have been the team playing some good baseball. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. They beat the Brewers in three consecutive, and so now the Reds are only four games behind the Brewers. Uh, the Reds are 48-42. and 42. Brewers up at 53 wins with, with their just incredible pitching staff. And the Cubbies, uh, after a bad last 10 at 2-8, at and eight, they are two games under five hundred now with uh, the Cardinals the real disappointment right there with them and also uh, two games under 500. And then the two best records in all of baseball come in the National League West and many people would have thought it was going to be the the Dodgers and the Padres. Well, one of them is the Dodgers, but that's the second best record in baseball and the Giants actually have uh, the best record in all of baseball with 57 wins. They are just unbelievably impressive they won four games to end the first half of their season and they have a two-game lead over the Dodgers the Padres are in a little bit of trouble they're 53 and 40 right now they lost a couple to end uh the first half and their pitching staff is really beat up with Darvish with Weathers getting injured as of late they have to see what they can uh, string together um to you know to try to help get some outs all-star game on Tuesday the look at the National League and the American League All-Star lineups. Uh, the National League starters, Freddie Freeman at first. He got voted in, even though that should have been Muncie. He's having a much better year. Adam Frazier at second. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. at short. Nolan Arenado at third. Buster Posey, the catcher, but he won't be playing. Neither will Ronald Lacuna Jr. Castellanos and Winker are in. They'll be playing. The National League Reserves, uh, Real Muto, Yadier Molina, Max Muncy, Ozzy Albies, Jake Cronworth, Chris Bryant, Brandon Crawford, Trey Turner, Eduardo Escobar, Justin Turner. Mookie Betts is not going to be playing. Honestly, Mookie says a little banged up. I think he just doesn't want to be there this year because of how poor he's been playing. He got, you know, he, he got, he made the team, not as a starter, but he, there are so many more deserving than him this particular year. He'd be the first one to tell you. And so I just think he doesn't want to be around. Brian Reynolds, Kyle Schwarber, Juan Soto, and Chris Taylor. Shout out to uh, CT3 there. The pitchers, Corbin Burns, Yu Darvish, Jake DeGrom, Tuan Walker, Kevin Gaussman, Herman Marquez, Trevor Rogers, Zach Wheeler, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Walker Bueller, and Max Scherzer. And the National League relievers, Hader, Kimbrell, Mark Melanson, and Alex Reyes. Those are your National League side. On the American League side, you got Vlad Guerrero Jr., Marcus Semien, Bogarts, Rafael Devers at third, Salvador Perez catching, Mike Trout obviously won't be uh, playing, Aaron Judge, Teoscar Hernandez, and Shohei Otani. And then the American League reserves. 
Zunino, Matt Olson, Jared Walsh, Jose Altuve, Whit Merrifield, Bo Bichette, Carlos Correa, Tim Anderson, Joey Wendell, Jose Ramirez, Michael Brantley, Joey Gallo, Adolis Garcia, Cedric Mullins, J.D. Martinez, and Nelson Cruz. The American League pitching staff, uh, Shane Bieber, Garrett Cole, Nate Evaldi, Kyle Gibson, Lance Lynn, Yeski Kikuchi from the Mariners, Carlos Rodon, and Chris Bassett. And then the relievers, Matt Barnes, uh, Roldis Chapman. It's funny. He's not been good lately. Liam Hendricks, Ryan Presley, and Greg Soto. In the home run derby on Monday night, it's always a lot of fun. Pete Alonso is going to have some fun with it. He's actually the defending champ. Remember, there was no home run derby in 2020, but he won in 2019. He's going to bring a bunch of different bats, customized, featuring phrases such as family first and uh, LFGM, as well as an homage to 300. So he's going to have some fun with it. There are eight players in the home run derby. It is set up as a bracket. So you have uh, the seeds of one through eight. Shohei Otani, the number one seed, after his incredible first half of the season, he has uh, he he will be facing Juan Soto. Uh, so Shohei is the favorite. You're going to find him at like plus two sixty, anywhere from like two and a half, five to two ish to three to one. He'll be facing Juan Soto. Two seed is Joey Gallo, and the seven seed is Trevor Story. So that's the first round matchup. Three six is Matt Olson, Trey Mancini. Four five. Salvador Perez, and Pete Alonso. So this weekend could be a big, real coming out party for Shohei Otani, who's just been phenomenal in, in the first half. Can he, with all the eyeballs watching him, step up, win the home run derby, have a great showing, maybe be the all-star MVP. He's probably going to hit and pitch in the all-star game. So looking at the prices, if Shohei's like 260-ish. Uh, Joey Gallo would be someone that I'd play at plus 360. If you're looking to play a couple, I'd probably play Joey Gallo and maybe Juan Soto at plus 850. I think Soto's got a shot to uh, upset Otani in that first uh, in that first matchup there. Very scary situation in Colorado. One block from Coors Field at the Maven Hotel. Report of a suspicious occurrence um, from a maid had a room searched and more than a dozen weapons and a thousand plus rounds of ammo found right down the street from where the Major League Baseball set uh, All-Star game is supposed to be set on Tuesday. That uh, That's scary. We're going to transition from baseball on over to trying to make you some money. So let's find out how and what past performances we use. Let's find out a little bit about DRF and then we're going to get into the racing for Tuesday. Horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years. Studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to drf.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. 
one click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic pass performances you get the home screen with horses with odds with buyers you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph you can rotate your phone for the best view and any horse that you click on you'll see the running lines you can easily move from horse to horse the same data as those traditional classic DRF pass performances you get an interactive format which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches and so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone cross device functionality you can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices on the go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com and don't forget about our friends over at stable duel download that stable duel app from your phone your ios your android device on Monday, a couple different stable duel options for you. Delaware Park, Down, Parks Racing. We're going to have Delmar contests opening up this week. I'm going to be posting a lot of different lineup stuff. We're going to have a ton of Delmar content on That's What G Said. And if you follow me on Twitter, it's me, Gino B. You'll see a lot of uh, Delmar content there. We're going to be hosting some stable duel live streams. If you ever have any questions about stable duel daily contest, the app is free to download. All you do is you have to pay for the uh, the different entries that you, you want to get into. So $5 contests where you can win back $50, $100, $100 where you can win back into the thousands. Check out Stable Duel. Download that app. Let's get to some uh, Tuesday racing. Got a couple plays over at Indy and a couple plays over at Canterbury. Get the past performances out for Tuesday, July the 13th. Let's look at race number five. It's the start of the pick five sequence. Let's look at the seven. Long live justice. I like the fact that he's drawn towards the outside. He's shown that he can sit off a little bit. There's a lot of speed drawn to his inside. He's cutting back from a mile. Looks like a good spot for long live justice. You know, you can look at the couple his first couple starts. Debuted. Probably just in a little bit too tough. And he had some trouble that day. Had to take up. Comes back and it's a race that's in the slop. Then they drop. And he sits off and he wins. And last time out they try going longer and they try in a spot that's probably just a little too tough the number seven long live justice a must use to me in all exotics and we'll make a win wager if we can get anything around uh nine to two or so let's move to the seventh race i'm looking at the 10 z's lucky girl so she got some action in her debut she was only five to one and she she completely misses the break she hops at the start she gets crossed over on she ends up last like Eight lengths off of it. She angles the outside. Nice middle move. Showed a little something that day. Dam won a couple times. All three sibs won. I think she's sneaky in here. If she's anything around, let's say, seven, eight to one or so, that feels fair. She just, she seems like she's a little higher than she should be. 
And then we got to give a shout out and a look to Darren Zocali, our good friend DZ's horse, the number one threat level midnight in the ninth at Indy. I don't love the rail draw, but she really fits very well in here. She's got enough speed to either clear it or secure a spot if she wants to get a little speed and then put herself right within striking range uh, behind the leader. So threat level midnight, the one in race number nine. Best of luck to our buddy DZ on uh, Tuesday over that Indy Grand. So those three plays for you on Tuesday at Indy. Let's head over to Canterbury with a couple plays for Tuesday. We've got three of them for you that are in that pick five sequence, that low takeout pick five. Starts in race three. My first play is in the fourth with the six, Sierra Hotel. I just hope they choose those tactics that worked so well for them last year at Canterbury and at Hawthorne. Go to the lead. Don't try to just sit off in second. Finished behind uh, Shinny last time out. Shinny's won five in a row. If they get aggressive, if they send hard, they will get the lead in here. There's not a whole lot of other speed. The six, Sierra Hotel. Need around seven to two to make a win wager there. In race number five, looking at the three, Kimberly Francis, third start off the bench. She gets back to the dirt here. She loves Canterbury, and she has run her best races right here. Set for the absolute best. A great spot for Kimberly Francis. She needs a little help up front. She needs a little bit of pace help. But she should get it in here. There's a couple with intentions on the front end. Yankee Pride, Sneaky Diane, and Molga. All don't want to be too far out of it. Towards the outside, get one more. Shouldn't be well out of it either. She's shown a little more positional speed in her last few. So you have to wonder if uh, they want to you know, sit close too. Let's go to the three. Kimberly Francis, we need at least 7-2 to to make the win wager there. In race number 6, we're looking at the 1, Samiza. I thought her uh, his race was pretty impressive. So he, he was sort of a step slow, but then he quickly moved up right behind the leaders. He settles inside, he angles off the rail, 3 wide, in between. It was a nice W. 2 starts back, he's behind Drama Chorus, who wins first level allowance next out. The number 1, Samiza. 8-1 to one on the morning line. Anything around 4-1 to one feels fair there. So those three plays for you on Tuesday at Canterbury. Best of luck. Let's pad the bankroll. Let's make a little money for Thursday Saratoga for Friday Del Mar. And then the weekend racing. We're going to get to episode 5 of Loki with Tim Kelly. Before we do, we want to remind you about OldSmokeClothing.com. Quality clothing and merchandise rooted in the iconic symbols of horse racing. Check out their t-shirts, hats, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups. Use the promo code G-I-N-O. It'll get you free shipping on your order. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. It's time to get into Loki, episode 5, scene by scene, deep dive. We spend the first 10-15 minutes or so, big picture thoughts, all of the major things from the episode that stood out to us. And then we get into the chronological order of everything that happened in Episode 5, Season 1 of Loki. Tim Kelly joins again. The clock ticks as we get closer and closer to the end of Loki, Season 1. And uh, there have been the the word and the rumors out there that we are going to get a Season 2 of Loki. We'll talk all about everything that went on in 
episode five of Loki, how that relates to the first four episodes, how it relates to everything in the Marvel universe, how it relates to all these different multiverses, and like always, uh, our uh, our man, uh, the the man who joins us on this journey each and every week, Tim Kelly, back here again with us. TK, how you doing? Thank you. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I had a great day yesterday. It was my wife's birthday. Barbecuing out back. I uh, had a projector going. Watched watched this episode last night on my projector in the backyard. It was uh, it was like a dream come true, to be honest. <laughs> uh, this was um again just a really great great episode of TV, and there are just uh, 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 I mean obviously we give the spoiler alerts at the beginning, but here's a spoiler alert for everyone that's listening. There's no way I'm going to be able to mention all of the damn Easter eggs that were in this episode. No, so we're no. we're going to forget a few of them. We'll do our best yeah. to try to mention as many as we can that we saw. But holy crap, from like from things yeah. that they took from comics, from earlier Avengers M- Marvel movies, from. Other just movies in general that we know from yeah. things from history, like Wonders the, of the World. Yeah, the way that they like used the TVA and Loki to sort of uh, pin a bunch of these crazy events throughout history that were inexplicable. You know, like it. it yeah. That is that has been awesome. Like from the DB Cooper stuff that we saw to you know, um, in this episode we see a ship. Show up in the void the USS Eldridge Which was yes. a ship that was involved In the Philadelphia experiment And apparently Perfect. a ship that like Disappeared or teleported There's no right. sign of this ship And all, all the sailors that were on it Did people All of these theories Did it come into contact with aliens I mean th- mm-hmm. how about the video game um, po- Polybius I think it Polybius is Polybius arcade game Which yeah. is this like weird urban legend People don't even know if these games really existed Because there's no trace of where you could buy them But everybody's got a story out there about how they played one And it like entranced yeah. them And so the, the way they they play on these real life things and, and then all of this stuff shows up in the void Like they are right. They're having fun with this And the um just what an episode overall yeah, I mean, it was epic in scope, and I, I think you're dead on when you said fun. This was, like, jam-packed with fun. It was funny. It had great moments, great twists on characters, uh, jam-packed with Easter eggs. I'm glad you mentioned that as well, just because every single frame was filled with them. Uh, so it, would, it, it lent the, the setting really lent itself to that, too. So it was just a absolutely just fantastical kind of episode. And uh, it it uh, it took us places, you know. I had a great time on this one. We and and you know the one thing that I like was, was thinking about too, and I haven't heard that many people even just mention this because this was such a good episode of TV, and we were talking about all the yeah. different Loki's and everything. Where it's like, oh, well, it's inevitable. If we didn't think so before, we're getting those Spider Man. You know, we're getting those three <laughs> yeah. Spideys, right? We're getting uh, Toby and uh, and Garfield and uh, all of them together with the new Spidey. We put them because we saw how many different versions of Loki in here. The ones that we were introduced to at the very end of episode four, which were classic Loki, Kid Loki, Boastful Loki, and Loki Gator. We already know about Sylvie yeah. and then the Loki that we've you know followed through all the his journey on the uh, in the MCU. And then when we're in the void 
We get a look at President Loki And then mm-hmm. I don't know 15 different versions of Loki All around so um, yeah, There was a was... gang of Lokis A <laughs> gang of Lokis in this episode and, Literally, and What did they do? They all turned on each other Like, <laughs> like you, wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't Be surprised to hear that um, yeah. yeah we're introduced To the void and this is this is the place where we just got a glimpse of it at the end of the last episode. But this is where everything that that they have pruned, every variant or anything that was branched off of a timeline that was not supposed to happen, that the quote unquote timekeepers or whoever was running the timekeepers, they didn't want to happen. Anything that we saw the hunters prune all ends up here. And it ends up in this place in the void where it's they're they're basically being sent. To, to get killed because the the big guard dog type uh being in the void that gobbles everything up is Eliath, a temporal monster that can transcend eras of time. It is a carnivorous purple crowd, a purple cloud, and yeah. it absorbs all matter. So it this thing is like like a blob that just Goes through you or whatever Object and like spits It out and just leaves like the bare bones Like someone would on like a Like a skeleton you know uh, after it uh, Just sucks the life out of the animal Or being or whatever it, it takes Yeah Elias prunes for real I mean it's it's yes. for keeps this time Yes so. that's the best way of putting it you're right <laughs> Uh, no, that was no I action. thought that was incredible too. Like, sorry to interrupt you. Like, oh, he the visuals on that I thought were really stunning. Reminded me of some classic uh, visuals from the Mummy, um, and uh, obviously Smoke Monster, Smoke Monster from Lost. Uh, that that was the most direct comparison I'd make to that. That was the one that uh, that people were kept uh, coming up with. And you know what? I think I've told you, I've never watched Lost. Ever what? and so I'm I'm due for a rewatch. Yeah, like, a, I mean, I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna start it. I think very very soon and go through all the way. It was just one of those, you know. It's been one of those that I was like always meaning to, but just never. It was like ah, I didn't get caught up in the middle, or I'm gonna wait, yeah. wait. But like I I watch shows really quickly and I like absorb content like instantly. So I'm I could probably rattle through it real quick, and I'm I'm very <laughs> interested now because I've heard a lot of lost stuff and with this particular show too that I I want to yeah. kind of. Uh, Sink my teeth into a little bit And that was one that kept coming up in, in stuff that I was reading too And man I gotta say You know we we get some great acting In all of these uh, Marvel movies TV shows Disney plus ones so far Richard E. Grant as classic Loki Was yeah. just incredible Throughout this whole yeah. episode His snark in their conversations And then he Like we we saw him In one episode have like a complete character arc. Yeah, they really gave him some some meat to chew on. Yeah, and I I thought it was great too. I mean, he looks kind of silly uh, in that in that outfit, but I mean, they they really paid off his character and made him a, a total badass by the end. And I thought it was really funny too. I, I heard an anecdote or I read it somewhere um, that that actor Richard E. Grant was talking about a, a quote. That his father had said to him, like way back when, thirty years ago, I think he said, well, "Do you want to spend your your whole life in in um, in tights?" I, basically, I was just going to say that quote. Yeah. Too. I'm glad you did. Yeah. <laughs> and he, so yeah. I, I I thought it was great that um he he's in tights right now, uh, looking silly, and he had a laugh about that. But like it it really paid off. I mean, I think this is going to go down as a kind of iconic character within the MCU. It was just amazing the visuals the facials just the the noises that he makes and how like this is an academy award nominated actor 
like a legitimate, yeah. like really good actor uh, here too. And um, you could tell he was having a lot of fun with this, yeah. with this role. Um, and you know, like always, in a few minutes, we'll get into our scene by scene, uh, you know, breakthrough, uh, breakdown, and uh, and thoughts on uh, on everything going on. But we're sort of going to talk some big picture stuff here first. And one of the the things is like obviously. Like what the hell is up with Ravana? With Rona? Like what does she know? How yeah. much does she know? Every time we sort of, she'll even mention something like, "Well, I don't know this," or I, "I'm not sure what's happening." And then it seems like that'll be off. Like she's they're really me- messing with us with her as far as like, yeah. w- how much involved is she here? Yeah. Is she the one pulling all the strings? Like what's going on? So that's a conti- that's a question that we continue to ask because. She looked like she was gonna have a like a baby face turn here and be a good guy. Right. And then she had the heel turn. She went back to being the bad guy. She did that almost multiple times. What's going on with her, TK? Yeah, we just we just don't know how much she knows at this point. I think that's the thing. We're trying to kind of get a beat on that. Uh, because, you know, like you said, like, is she the one pulling the strings? I don't get that impression. I, I feel like there's somebody above. And I kind of feel like anytime we're dealing with her, that's leading to Kang just because of the connection in the comics. And, and it just seems like that would kind of be the only way it makes sense at this point. Like maybe she has this relationship with Kang or they're trying to set up her arc to have a relationship with Kang. If Kang is the big bad behind all this, but that said, I'm not fully even married to the idea that Kang's the big bad. So I'm I'm kind of uh, in the dark with with Ravana at the at this point. I thought we were going to get a more definitive uh, answer to that by this episode, uh, with the way we you know left off last episode. But uh, they quickly kind of turned that on its head in pretty much the first scene, and and kind of reset our expectations once again. So uh, it felt like a, a TV twist a little bit, but well done for sure. So we 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 you know get little glimpses of a lot of things here. You mentioned Kang. We look. At uh, Kang Enterprises It's not the Avengers Tower in the background What we would think yeah. So we know Kang's coming Like it, Kang is coming, no doubt about it It's just, is he, mm-hmm. is he the big bad of this show? Like he's coming down the line In, in Doctor right. Strange And in other, other like he's whatever asked. other Yes, like we know there's going to be him coming Is it, is it right now yet? And with mm-hmm. all the ties to Ravana And the comics and stuff And they've been smacking us Elioth the ties They're really smacking us in the face with it here too And they're um, you know with the, the King Enterprises We yeah. we gotta look at a Throg a Frog Thor who's yeah. uh, In a jar that says T365 Where uh, the comic uh, Where Thor had de- uh, This this storyline debuted And so um, yeah, Underground just, too buried in a jar buried. Like that I, I felt bad for, for What's his name Throg, Throg? <laughs> I, I felt bad I felt bad for Throg. Uh, and right next, right to, next Mjolnir. to yeah, right? Mjolnir. Yeah, a full-size Mjolnir. Get it? Just trying to get Mjolnir. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, okay, so another question a lot of people have been asking. Um, Miss Minutes. Like, you yeah. know, people had it, like, is she the big bad? What is she? She, like, who knows? Mm-hmm. But um, there, it's, it feels like there might be something more with her, too. I, I've been suspicious of that, you know, all, all along, just because it's like, what is this? Is this an AI? You know, is it a hologram? But I'm kind of leaning towards just thinking she is an AI that works for whoever the TVA is. It's it's yeah. very much like the TVA's Jarvis, if you will. Like you can imagine Jarvis playing along uh, with Tony Stark to kind um, in the way that Ravana kind of 
they kind of double cross uh, later in the episode. I could kind of imagine, you know, Jarvis being a smart, smart social AI in that way and doing that for Tony Stark. Um, so I, I could, uh, I don't think that there's anything more to it than that. I think that would be kind of weird, honestly, if they made yeah. her the big bad. Right. Yeah. Uh, but she, Miss Minutes is such like a fun like cool character in addition to the universe though I, I i but i don't think she plays a role that's like essential they could it could be that 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 would be a very interesting twist i think but it might be a little if I, it would fall flat i think i don't know where they could really go with it so some other things uh, that we we saw throughout this uh this episode moving around in the void um we mentioned the uss eldridge uh, head of the Living Tribunal Looked like the lighthouse of Air- Alexandria And the pyramids of Giza Looked like a yellow jacket From the Ant-Man's helmet um, Then The wreckage of Ronin's ship From Guardians of the Galaxy Doctor Strange's yeah. Sanctum Sanctorum um, These are all sort of Different things uh, the, um, the, uh, uh, the Thanos copter yeah, that was a big one. That a <laughs> lot of people of, got a kick out of that. I love that. Um, it's such there, a meme-worthy like comics moment too. Right? Like, there was a that Thanos lot of would stuff. have a helicopter. Just a lot. Um, I mean, there was a like a wealth of information. It's just watching this back a few times, it's like as they're just walking past things, you got to just pause. Like, what? What is that? You know, in yeah. the background, it's um. Yeah, yeah and they were just having fun with it. The designers, the animators, like, and there's there, a, I think they were just trying to pack it with as much fun stuff as possible. There's a very much like um of the what when you watch the um, for a lot of the episode, it's like the it's the Loki's kind of walking across the void together, like classic Loki, kid Loki, the Loki we know, and uh, and and Loki Gator, and yeah. and it's just it's got this such a Lord of the Rings look to it, mm. you know, as they walk. You know, it was like, oh gosh, this looks so much, and I love it. It's so much like you see uh, them, you know, Frodo and and Samwise, and them like on the road there. The the scope of the void looks so yeah. big when you just see like the their small figures in the background. They're almost like little figurines, like you know, like walking along and nods to so many different movies, other shows that we will get into as we. Go scene by scene here of episode five of Loki, and it was called Journey into Mystery, where the this was actually the title of the comic that Loki and Thor debuted. So yeah. always playing on something, always double meanings, always meta stuff there with uh, with these folks in uh, in the MCU. As Loki wakes up, remember. Uh, the the end of the episode, Loki wakes up in the void. He doesn't know what's going on, and that's where we pick up. He says, "What is this place? Where are we? Who are you?" This is right after the previously on. So we get a look at the elevator doors in the TVA that lead to the Timekeeper's room. We see the Timekeeper's head laying on the floor, all the smoke in the background, and then we flash to to the void, and that's when Loki says, "What is this place?" Where are we? Who are you? Classic Loki quickly looks at him and says, This is the void. That's Elioth. And we're his lunch. Come on. <laughs> and they get on yeah. the move. So uh, we get a sense of humor from him already. We get uh, yeah. a few times to, it was when they said Elioth. And I said, I wanted to make sure it was Elioth they were talking about. But yeah. And then right off the bat, we're introduced to Elioth, who is, 
you know, sort of like a video game boss of this episode. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Elias, uh, immediately they establish the stakes and the threat of this episode and this new this new place. And they did it in a very uh, quick, uh, sharp, funny kind of way. And I love that shot that you mentioned that that kind of turns the camera upside down and, and dissolves through uh through time and space there. Like it was that really started the episode off. Right. I mean, we knew we were in for a treat at that point. We flash back to the TVA and uh, Sylvie says to Ravona, give me your temp pad. Um, who's really behind the TVA. Ravona says, I'm just as in the dark as you are. And Sylvie says, poor judge Renslayer, your whole reality has been destroyed. Tell me, how does it feel to be on the other side of it? Uh, the, and they're in the judge's room now As Sylvie kind of knocks Ravona down And says this is it isn't it This is where you dragged me after you stole my life A fitting place to then take yours And as Sylvie's getting ready to prune, kill Ravona You know, eliminate her uh, Ravona says what if I said Loki wasn't dead? Not yet Sylvie thinks that Ravona's just kind of lying to try to save her life and Ravona says maybe or maybe we want the same thing Sylvie questions how is he still alive How I thought this was funny How will saving him get us closer to who's really behind the TVA <laughs> Like that's the kind of a Loki line right there too right yes. Like okay he's alive but okay cool But I still have other stuff to do too you know um, <laughs> <laughs> And Ravona says it's complicated I'm telling you this willingly Because I want to know who's at the top of this I want to know who lied to me When we prune a branched reality, it's impossible to destroy all of its matter. So we move it to a place in the timeline where it won't continue growing. Basically, the branch timeline isn't reset. It's transferred to a void at the end of time where every instance of existence collides at the same point and simply stops. So she explains. Everyone that's been pruned, they show up here. They could still be alive. This is big, big information. And there's, you know... In 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 a lot of these episodes, there has to be a ton of exposition because these are are massive new ideas that haven't been set up in the MCU before, and they do yeah. they continue to do a good job getting the exposition out in entertaining ways while while these two are battling and Ravona's kind of trying to save save herself. She's explaining, hey, look, and and this is what makes this character so confusing because we don't know in a moment like this. What she's saying just to save herself And what she Mm. truly means Yeah and I think we know From kind of what happens now That she's definitely being manipulative to an extent So Mm -hmm. yeah even more so We really don't know what's a lie And what's not and just what are the limits Of her knowledge does she really want to find Out stuff or is she protecting a secret We don't know that we don't know Could be either She says the dogma states that the end of time is still being written And the timekeepers are transforming It into utopia Sylvie says, oh, that's nice, super believable She's got some really fun, sarcastic lines Throughout this episode that are great Uh, Ravona says, whatever the real reason Nothing ever comes back from there I can help you if you trust me So Sylvie reluctantly Hands Ravona over the temp pad So this moment feels like they're going to team up We get those quick back and forths here At the beginning of the episode too Quick cuts back and forth from the TVA Back to the void As we take a look back in the void And Loki is a little tired I suggest we take a breather So I can ask several thousand questions (laughs) (laughs) And um, 
That's when they they're pat the, the Lokis together past this massive ship in the background, which might have been the, those ruins are talking about. Um, classic Loki says, "Gotta move so we don't die." Okay, but what's the plan? Don't die. Okay, but beyond that, don't die. <laughs> Loki says, "That's not a plan. Uh, it's a general demand of living. If you're Lokis, you should always have." <laughs> Then we get these birds squawking We get a weird like di- These almost like dinosaur looking uh, They reminded me kind of of like compies These birds um, uh, Yeah those birds were really cool I love how they have like a floating head I think like yeah. an orb A floating orb head thing Like yeah. I, That's just some cool stuff that you can do In alternate dimensions You know you don't have to uh, obey the laws of physics You can create your own laws And make your own rules up So I love seeing stuff like that And uh, I actually found out this was Written by um, a Rick and Morty writer uh, So Very similar like parallel Kind mm-hmm. of like high concept themes Coming out of that show uh, Fun stuff like that so I thought that was pretty interesting So Loki's Really confused sort of frustrated Right now he's on the run with classic Loki kid Loki Loki gator um, Boastful Loki the, the, You know he said it's been a very, very trying past few days. Will somebody please explain to me what the hell is going on? D- days, months, I don't even know how long it's been since New York. All I know is I got pruned. I woke up here and I'm surrounded by variants of myself plus an alligator, which sadly I don't find all that strange. <laughs> now we're running from God knows what to God knows where when I need to be trying to find a way back to the TVA. And, uh, yeah. you know, he's going on this tangent and he's doing one of these, uh, you know, like, you know, uh, Loki, uh, uh, like speeches that we love and laugh at. But Kid Loki like, comes right at him with a dagger and says, "Stop wailing, or you will signal a lieth." Loki kind of quietly asks, "You mean the monster in the sky?" And you know, then uh, he kind of gets up. And so Kid Lucky Loki tells him, "This is the place where the TVA dumps its rubbish. Everything they prune, and a lieth." He ensures none of it ever returns That's when boastful Loki explains a little more It's a living tempest that consumes matter and energy They send entire branch realities here And they are devoured instantly (laughs) Classic Loki makes it pretty simple We're in a shark tank Eliath is the shark (laughs) (laughs) So yeah we get a good good idea of What these Lokis These variants this is like uh they're they're just on the run here. This they they're not yeah. they, you can't have a plan. It's just survive with this thing coming after you. They have that that's all the plan is. Yeah, and I love this um this idea, this question of like a, a plan versus just like just surviving and both those things kind of defining Loki uh you know as a character. We were kind of talking about that I think last podcast about you know what is a Loki uh, and and those two kind of things came up as you know defining principles of of what makes a Loki. So I thought that was kind of cool. Also, we got in this scene. You mentioned the the, the blade um, that Kid Loki produced, and I believe that is uh, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing it, but Levitane, uh, which is Kid Loki's uh, ancestral uh, blade, Loki's ancestral blade. So that was kind of cool that they brought that uh, uh, into the mix here as well. So. We get a a look at Loki Gator who just growls Yeah, And uh, he says uh, uh, Classic Loki says Oh there's no such thing as an alligator tank Besides it's a better metaphor He's overly sensitive like the rest of us And that's when Loki says Wait hang on that thing's a Loki too 
And then classic Loki says, oh, yes. And then it's great how quickly Loki, Mobius, other everyone's like, that thing's a Loki? Oh, okay. And they just move on. They just accept it. They just move yeah. on. It's like, this isn't even close to the weirdest shit I've seen around here today. You know? And so, uh, yeah. um, willing to accept that. Why are there so many of you? Is what Loki asked. And this was very important from classic Loki. Because Loki survive. That's what we do. Yeah. We we don't escape. All of us were arrested by the TVA and pruned just like you. And just like you, we stood around making bad plans that went nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and Loki, you know, says the most obvious things. We, we, we could use a temp pad. And and they all like look at each other. Boastful Loki means right. Oh, you mean the one thing that could get us out of here? Yes, they're just all over the place, <laughs> right, guys? And then they all laugh, ha, 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 like they mock him. It's everything Loki's thinking in his head. All of these Lokis have already thought before and tried, and it just hasn't worked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I love that you know they're they're getting out uh, a lot of like you were saying exposition in this. We're finding out okay, what do we need to get out of here? A tempad. They're kind of reminding us of that, but they're doing it. In this funny banter, you know, that, like this dynamic that we're creating uh, where, you know, Loki's kind of the the odd man out. He's the, you know, the freshman in, in the Loki class and uh, and uh, he do- doesn't know what's what yet. So the Lokis continue to uh, discuss like who they are. Um, you know, Loki asks, what about causing a Nexus event? The, the TVA doesn't care what happens here. Loki says surely there's something to do There is survive That's all there is that's all there ever Was we're done talking Let's go classic Loki kid Loki They're not here to, to deal with the With Loki's BS They they help they're helping him But you could tell at this point They're not going to Stop and risk their lives For Loki they're going to be on the move They're they, they're heading somewhere And they just know that hey it's like we're not we don't have this grand plan now about saving the world. We're about saving like just staying alive that, that you know, repeatedly we've been yeah. staying alive. Um, right. So survive. That's all there is. All there ever was. Who said that? Was that classic Loki? Yes. Yeah. So that's so perfect for his arc in this episode. Like right. you see where he starts and then, you know, where he ultimately ends up. I, I That's perfect. Uh, that's great writing right there. It really is. And they, they were the fact that they're able to do it in 45 minutes. Right. Yeah, an arc that takes a lot of the characters that we've had. Like, think about Loki's arc. You know, like how mm-hmm. we've seen him up and down, redeemed, and then not, and this and that, and like other characters throughout. His, the, yeah, this guy got a the full arc one. of friendship. Yeah. Uh, comes up later on in, the, in this. Like that was kind of a seeded very early in in the series. Uh, they're paying things off, and they're giving their characters uh, well thought out arcs that I I think is super enjoyable. Like. Uh, we're almost to the end right now, and it's 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 there seem to be so far sticking the landing. So Loki asks, "Why do you wear the horns? You let a child command you." Classic Loki, like quickly lets him know, "Hey, you do well to respect the boy. This is his kingdom." <laughs> it says, "What was your neck?" And you know, Loki kind of mockingly asks, "What was your nexus event, Your Majesty?" And Kid Loki turns around and looks him in the eyes and said, "I killed Thor." Dun dun dun. Yep, and then the music starts playing and they <laughs> they continue to walk through the void as we see the this is right when we see the Thanos copter as uh, the Loki's head into an underground bunker. 
And this setup is really cool. It's like an old abandoned bowling alley here. Um, yeah. And the, uh, they sit down and start drinking a little bit uh, as uh, they ask Loki, why did you want to return to the TVA so badly? And boastful Loki says, did you leave your glorious purpose there? And <laughs> Loki kind of just looks around uh, the, the place he's in now and he says something like that. And uh, we get a look at this bunker This is cool This is very like uh, You know any like a, a Apocalyptic type movie Where the there's there's You know uh, the world's been taken over By and few people are trying to survive And they you know they find bunker In like a store or this is something That yeah. you'd see in like the walking dead or something You know everybody shacking yeah. up and hiding out In this uh, underground like bowling alley Yeah and they got some Cool things like littered and strewn about too. You mentioned that they started drinking. Uh, I, I believe uh, Kid Thor was drinking Ecto Cooler. I see. Uh, I see Ecto Cooler, which yeah. are great. Those are damn incredible. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody else Just is adding the- adding to the Boku uh, and like classic discontinued. Yeah. Um, you know, drinks from the '90s and whatnot. I think the, uh, the Loki's were drinking uh, box wine from Rock's Cart. That was yeah, like box, yeah. Rock's wine. You know, uh, yeah. <laughs> that it was called. And so they're just sitting there um, surviving as we get a look back at the TVA. Uh, Ravona Renslayer says, uh, Miss Minutes, I need you to remote access a series of restricted files from the archives. And Miss Minutes, ooh, doggy, on what? And <laughs> Renslayer says, the beginning of time, the founding of the TVA. Sylvie, who's right there with him, says, wait, what about the end of time? And that's when Ravona says, well, it's just a void. But Sylvie, remember, she's very smart She's been, since she was a child She's been bouncing around on her own She's the one that's had to figure this kind of thing out Forever, this is what she's been doing She says, what if the void isn't the end? What if there's something beyond it? Hiding in the shadow of apocalypses Obscured me from the TVA Because I couldn't create a diverging branch there So if all of this is still being written Whatever happens there, it's just a new timeline It would be impossible to start a Nexus event You could be completely undetectable That's it That's the only place they could be So how do we get past the void? So again, more important exposition Yeah, yeah Telling us our goal and Without even really knowing It's just like, that's our new goal Getting past the void You know, how how do we do that? Ravona says it's impossible there's nothing for the temp pad to lock onto. There's no destination there. That's when Sylvie says, We're going to go through it. Ravona says, That's suicide. As Sylvie said, I guess my need for you has passed. Then Miss Minutes chimes in and says, Wait, what about the void spacecraft? And Ravona says, Yes, the prototype. Miss um, Minutes says, Great, I'll get, I'll get the file. Ravona lets us know a spaceship d- designed to withstand the temporal void. It could take us to the end of time, and they kind of um, they they answer each other. Uh, they they finish each other's sentences here. As you know, Ravona says it could take us to the end of time. Sylvie says, "Find Loki." Ravona says, "Find the man behind the curtain." Sylvie says, "And kill the him." Of Oz. Yep, very much. And Ravona jumps in together, and they shake hands. Like it, it feels like they are teaming up here. There's some trust still bon- um, going on. But Sylvie, it says, "Miss Minutes, where are those files?" As Miss Minutes says, "Still looking, hun. Uh, buried pretty deep." Ravona says, "It's highly restricted. I might not even have the clearance, but 
Ravona was playing it off for a minute But right here, the longer that it's taking Miss Minutes to find this information You can tell she's starting to get a little nervous She's like hiding something She's starting to act a little more like she's lying And Sylvie Sylvie's perceptive, she catches it right away She's not like you can't. She's not suffer a fool here She was like, for a minute she was believing it But she could tell right here Oh no, I think you would if it was real She asks, how long? Miss Minutes seems to be stalling now She says, any second now <laughs> And then, boom Guards bust into this room where they are In the judge's court um, In the, um, sort of like the courtroom Where everybody gets gets brought up to uh, To have their um, their their case here heard And yeah. The hunters and the guards, they run in to go after Sylvie, who jumps back, and she's hiding under the uh, the judge's desk. So now we get this sort of standoff here um, in inside of this, this courtroom. Yeah, and it, it's like, what are you going to do from here? But then what she ultimately does seems so obvious in, in retrospect. Um, uh, I think it's pretty a pretty... Uh, Great dramatic mo- moment uh, But it's it's just logical that What, what she ends up doing here So um, Ravona tell, Talks to the guards um, She says I'm fine they took my temp pad uh, She took my temp pad Sylvie not thinking of going on the run are you And now she's being like very patronizing And like this When she does this It's like she's evil When she's doing yeah. things like this It's like she's so evil but then she'll yeah. have these moments where she acts so innocent Like she really doesn't know all that much more and, and so she's done a fantastic job Of really making us question and wonder it And the actress in, in particular And they've done a good job with this character Of really making us of wonder um, mm-hmm. She says we know where you hide Sooner or later we'll catch you It must be so exhausting uh, Sylvie chimes back I'll admit you had me fooled for a minute Or did you get a little real did Judge Renslayer really feel betrayed by her beloved TVA? She's asking the questions that we want to ask. Right. <laughs> it's it's a it's a really good job of of giving us the exposition in a funny sort of clever way, and it's like right out in front of us like this. She uh, Renslayer says, "Why don't you come back out and we can talk about it?" Sylvie says, "Yeah, tell everybody to piss off and we can settle this <laughs> between us." Works for me. Sylvie asks what happened to finding the man behind the curtain Here comes really evil Ravona. Tell you what, you come out with your hands up and I'll put you in a time loop Something not so bad, you can live out your days in a good memory Do you have any good memories? Like, what a miserable thing to say You stole this woman when she was a child She's the one that's actually trying to do the right thing here And like free everybody of this Fascist TVA Like group And you're sitting here like mocking her Like this was like Yeah like powerfully bad stuff From from Ravona Yeah it's sadistic you know so it, At this point like as a viewer you, We're kind of like Pretty convinced I think that that Ravona is evil and that, or, and, But it's just like is she Protecting Something like 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 a Kang, you know, a big bad that she's like already has affection toward, or is she? Which I think they're kind of alluding to in a later scene. Like, is she more protecting, like the idea of the TVA, and she can't like let go of that like ideology, that dogma that she created, or that she that she was so invested in. So Sylvie, and when asked if she had any good memories, thinks about it for a moment. And says just one 
really And she pops up from under the desk And she prunes herself One of the guards said she's self pruned and, uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, which just made me laugh. I didn't, I didn't know that funny. part. <laughs> it was funny. And uh, and Ravona says, "Good." Then she's dead too, and she kind of walks off, pleased, like knowing that Sylvie's going to be uh, food for Eliath. So, classic Loki now is pouring wine into Loki Gator's mouth. We're back in the uh, in their bunker. <laughs> And uh, we see the ro- uh, the rocks wine. We see the high sea juice box that you mentioned. The ecto cooler. Uh, boastful Loki is bragging and obviously lying about him, like telling his story. Right. So after I vanquished Captain America and Iron Man, I claimed my prize: all six Infinity Stones. And Loki <laughs> Gator just like growls at him, like to, to let us know that boastful Loki's lying. And uh, classic Loki. It says, you know, that's alligator for growling and saying liar at the same time. <laughs> this was great. We, these Lokis all, you know, telling their stories. Um, and boastful Loki, like, mocks the gator. He says, at least my Nexus event wasn't eating the wrong neighbor's cat. <laughs> and then, so Loki gator, like, jumps at boastful Loki. He's trying to go after his arm. Uh, classic Loki and Loki are able to get Loki Gator off of him as Kid Loki's just kind of sitting there laughing at this whole thing. Um, this moment foreshadows, I think, two things that happen later on um, with uh, with President Loki. Yes, and uh, and also with um, Boastful Loki's inevitable betrayal. And a lot of people were uh, were talking about how this was something that reminded them of obviously Captain Hook, you know, and yeah. then obviously Star Wars. You know, any time that you get the, the the missing limb there, oh, you think about the, uh, the the references to uh, to some of those. So, um, Kid Loki asks um, Loki tell, uh, or actually, Kid Loki tells Classic Loki. He says, "Tell them about your story." And Classic Loki says, "Me? Nobody wants to hear that." But Loki does. He says, "I would actually." Um, I. I've just been wondering because what we're supposed to die, right? Thanos kills us after Ragnarok. And classic Loki says, Thanos? In my timeline, mm-hmm. everything proceeded correctly my entire life until Thanos attacked our ship. And Loki says, So you didn't try to stab him? And uh, he laughs. Classic Loki, certainly not. And, th- and then he sort of mocks them, says, Take no offense, my friends, but blades are worthless in the face of a Loki sorcery, they stunt our magical potential. <laughs> and uh, I love that idea. I love that great, idea, right? Like he even said, "Like, why yeah. are you guys using swords and stuff when we've got so much more we can do here?" Uh, yeah, it's Bos- like a crutch. Yeah, boastful Loki says, "But they do look awesome." And uh, <laughs> he, classic Loki kind of mocks him. He says, "Oh, oh yes, especially when they clatter to the ground just before your neck is snapped." <laughs> he tells us, "I cast a projection of myself so real that even the Mad Titan believed it." Then I hid as inanimate debris. After I faked my death, I simply drifted into space, away from Thor, away from everything. Thought about the universe and my place in it, and it occurred to me that everywhere I went, only pain followed. So I removed myself from the equation, landed on a remote planet, and stayed there in isolation, in solitude, for a long, long time. Really sad. As yeah. uh, the Loki asked, how did the TVA find you? And classic Loki goes on To tell you the truth I missed my brother I wondered yeah. if he missed me And if anybody else did 
But as soon as I took my first steps To getting off that planet The TVA arrived Because my friends We have but one part to play The god of outcasts And I love the way he finished This sort of uh, Where he said Took a sip of his wine And then he kind of holds up his cup For a toast To the rest of them Like he repeated Nothing more The god of outcasts And he was like You you feel so sad and sorry for this guy Because he's so he's, He's obviously very smart He's very experienced And he seems to be like a pretty caring kind of version of Loki, you know, um mm-hmm. and but he's still like how like he's soured as an older, you know, someone who's seen the way things are going to play out goes and just he doesn't yeah. really have that youthful belief anymore, that excitement. He doesn't have any optimism at all. Yeah, it, he's he's a lot like he's like the wisest Loki, but he's also very pessimistic. He's grown um, cynical over time. He's a bit like uh, Luke in the Last Jedi, and the way he was yes, that that's really angered a lot of fans. Comparison. He's mad. Yeah, he's mad. He's angry. He doesn't want anything to do it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I really enjoy. You know, just to go further on that, I enjoyed that aspect of the Last Jedi. The idea that Luke would kind of go against the grain of you know where we expected him to, but ultimately his journey was about you know finding. That uh, faith and purpose again And um, uh, I, I enjoyed that as an arc And I thought that they're kind of setting up a similar one Here with uh, with classic Loki So th- th- This was just pat like really Really great stuff here as uh, Loki you know he hears the story And he says I'm going He's still determined And classic Loki says where Loki says out of this place out of the void Back to the TVA we're as good as esca- as escaping as we are at surviving. That gives me a decent chance. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, classic Loki tells him, "You won't do either. You'll be murdered." Uh, well, so be it. That was my destiny to begin with. And Kid Loki notices something, and he says, "You're different. Why?" He asks him. Loki says, "No, I'm not. You see, I'm the same. Really, I'm the same as all of you. Have any of you met a woman variant of us?" And the response from classic Loki sounds terrifying. <laughs> it was just great. He's this. That's what we mean about uh, what Richard E. Grant does in this episode. He's got a couple of these little monologues that are like really serious, sad, powerful. He's got these funny, comedic little quips and one-liners throughout the episode. And then at the end, when he's got to conjure everything up and 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 have this illusion, and like he's portraying all of these things with without even saying anything, like just with his yeah. facials, it's is like as well rounded of a perf- exactly as rangy and well rounded of a performance in like forty five minutes of TV as you'll see from someone like getting the kind of character arc he had. I'm sure reading this, he absolutely loved like getting to know knowing that. Yeah, even if I'm not a huge part of this moving forward, um, I'm gonna get a lot to do in the like 45, 50 minutes. I'm on the I'm on screen between like the one episode and uh and, and like a one small scene from the other. Uh, so now uh, Loki gets gets in. You know, I think he's a little inspired from classic Loki's speech. So now it's his turn for another big big speech, as he says. Mm. Uh, oh, she is terrifying, but that's what's kind of great about her. 
She's different. She's not trying to take over the TVA. She's trying to take it down, and she needs me. Now, you said a lieth is what keep us here. You said it's a living thing. You said it's a shark. Well, if it lives, it dies. So I'm going to kill the shark. I'm going to kill a lieth, and I could use all the help I can get. <laughs> Loki uh, cutting a wrestling promo there. Right, yeah. He was, <laughs> he was getting, like, so pumped and so excited about it, you know, and he was, like, on this tangent, and they, they, they kind of take it in for a second, boastful and kid Loki and classic Loki. And then they just bust up laughing. They just start laughing at his ass. They are just mocking him. They, uh, uh, yeah, baby. Yeah. As they laugh and laugh and laugh. And, uh, he's, you know, confused. He's, doesn't really he's not on the same wavelength with these guys. He doesn't just want to sit here and drink. Um he he wants to go find Sylvie. And so he's trying to leave the, their little little bunker and as he gets ready to, he starts walking out and and he pops the top and he's about to uh, walk back out into the the outside the void area. He gets interrupted by uh a group of Lokis. And they're all staring down at him. President Loki and I don't know, maybe 12, 15 others. As uh, President Loki says, ah, hello, which one of us are you? And uh, our our Loki is not amused by this as he says, this is a nightmare. (laughs) It's great, too. I love the shot here. Again, like echoes that shot from the post credits uh, and in last episode and that uh, finale of the original Avengers movie. Uh, where there he's you know Loki's looking up and it's from his perspective at these you know heroes or villains in this case kind of looking down at him and and in this case it's uh, a crowded frame there's quite a few a whole gang of Lokis like I said before and there's even uh, one or two that were shown way earlier in the season when we were seeing the initial yes. uh, variants at the TVA yes yep and so again they're always uh, paying off those little things that they teased um, yeah. as Sylvie now shows up in the void. She kind of wakes up and comes to as uh, we we kind of see and hear these big storms and these big like stormy sounds behind her, clouds all over. She's in an, like an abandoned bus as she uh she busts out, but she immediately runs like right into Eliath because remember Eliath what he'll do is he he'll see these branches that get dropped right into the void. And so he almost immediately gets everyone that's pruned there right away. Very few are able to survive. And, and probably the ones that survive are probably only there because like multiple things got pruned or like we see at the end, he's sort of distracted by one thing. And so they can kind of sneak away and hide. That's sort of why some of the Lokis have still yeah. been able to survive. Um, and Sylvie is running from Eliath. He's gaining on her though Um, She's trying to avoid him And she hears a honking of a car And it's uh, Someone driving a pizza truck And they pull up right in front of her They open the door, she jumps in And it's Mobius to the rescue Which is great (laughs) And a a shout to uh, uh, pizza trucks That um, Our friends in Disney and Pixar Like have in every Freaking Pixar movie Like there's like a pizza delivery truck Or there's some sort of a pizza car in one of those So they had the shout out there And um, we get a funny line From Mobius right away uh, As Sylvie kind of says you He says shut the door we got a situation here He says you really should be careful Just jumping into a stranger's car like that (laughs) Which is 
you know, really good. But um, we're we're all very happy because we assumed so when we saw Loki yeah. show up here in the void. But until we saw Mobius show back up, we didn't know, and we all were we were waiting and waiting for our buddy uh, Owen Wilson to get back. Yeah, and we know now that we're one step closer to seeing him on his jet ski. So I'm 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 happy about that, and it was it was just a, a thrill to see him back on the screen. We yeah, like you said, we were kind of expecting it. Uh, you know, they they had the writers had to bring him back after that, obviously. Uh, but they did it in such a fun, like cinematic way. You know, I can imagine seeing that in in a theater, and when he gets back on screen, the whole crowd erupting. erupting you know, right? it's one of those oh, kind yeah. of moments. And the 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 scope of it, like I, I, I think I used that term earlier, but like just the, the vista, this huge, um, just large landscape of, of just this post-apocalyptic world uh, and very cool angles and shots on this car kind of whipping uh, through the frame and these like fields of wheat or grass or I don't know, weeds or whatever, uh, but just looking incredible, you know, running from the, this smoke monster. I'm reminded a little bit of Jurassic Park yes. from the T-Rex. Yeah, it, uh, there was even and, things that I, I like Twister, yeah. you know, that remind oh, me of like when they're totally. driving away yeah. and, you know, like the way that totally. they're going after stuff. It's just you could tell they take so many um, little pieces and in, in, in like influences from so many other things And um, mm-hmm. you know for, for people of our sort of age right now Probably like in your mid 30s to like early 40s yeah. You watch a show like this And you can pick up like everything Like there are so many things yeah. you see And you're like oh I remember from that show From that movie from that It's it's very much like um, in, in like in this in, at this era show exactly to what like WandaVision was doing with their time periods, you know, like the more you pay attention to things, the more they're going to give you. And uh, yeah, this was this was yeah. great as uh, Sylvie and Mobius have a little uh, like argument in the car as she says, uh, watch out. You know, he's I see it. I see it. She says, really, you're driving right towards it. And he says, God, you really are one of you. And he says. <laughs> Hang on So he uh, he makes a nice move And they're able to to get away And sort of get the advantage driving away From Elioth there As uh, we flash back To the, the bunker with all the Lokis And classic Loki is pissed You bastard You led the wolves to our door And President Loki says We prefer snakes to wolves Kid Loki says I've eaten both They die just the same And uh and then we see that boastful Loki is the one who actually set this up. He led President Loki and their group to them, and he thinks that he's now going to rule. He said he says to Kid Loki, "Apologies, my liege, I betrayed you, and now I'm king." <laughs> so, I mean, really, you thought it was going to work like that? <laughs> right. you, really, with a bunch of other Lokis, you trusted all the other Lokis like that. And uh, so he thought he could be king. He told President Loki and all the other Lokis where the bunker was, so where the hideout was. And and uh, President Loki says about that. And <laughs> so now we're at this moment where President Loki thinks he's in charge. Boastful Loki thinks he's in charge. These guys start to turn on each other. All of the guys, uh, all the other Loki variants that were supposed to be like the henchmen for first Boastful Loki, and then for. Uh, President Loki, they're all turning on each other too because they think they're in charge. Gator Loki goes uh, goes freaking crazy here, and he bites off 
Loki, the president Loki's arm, uh, boastful Loki. I mean, it, this is yeah. this is just a madhouse. This is hilarious, and uh, you know, what did you expect? This was not the bargain. He says, "I gave you our location in exchange for shelter and supplies. You give me your army, and I take the throne." And President Loki laughs. Not so good a bargain. How this? How about this one? My army, my throne. Then his army turns on him, and uh, everything is like. Yeah. They call this a Pier 6 brawl Everything's going crazy And uh, <laughs> the classic Loki Kid Loki And uh, and our Loki And uh, Gator Loki Are able to sneak away Because classic Loki creates this big Illusion um, and, and they're able to uh, to get back outside But this like I don't know two minute scene here There was so much happening With these guys all yeah. going at each other It was pretty funny it was great. I, I absolutely love the Gator uh, Loki, totally Captain Hooking, President Loki, and the scream he gives out. It lasts like 10 seconds, <laughs> this crazy scream. Uh, but at one point, uh, Kid Loki throws Gator Loki. Uh, there's some there's some hectic, crazy fight stuff. And I, I love also more foreshadowing here. We get classic Loki, you know, creating uh, an illusion to kind of get them out of uh, – out of this situation, which plants the seed for, you know, how they're going to eventually, you know, conquer the, the big bad in this episode. So, uh, Loki, you know, Loki cater bites off the Loki's arm, all the Loki's battle classic Loki creates yeah. that illusion and, uh, they're able to escape back out in, into the void. And, uh, the last thing we hear from boastful Loki is him screaming glorious purpose. <laughs> And um, classic Loki's mad. You know, he's angrily like questioning their purpose. He says, damn it, animals, animals, we lie and we cheat and we cut the throat of every person who trusts us. And for what? Power, glorious power, glorious purpose. We cannot change. We are broken. Every version of us forever. And Kid Loki agrees. Whenever one of us dares to try to fix themselves, they're sent here to die. Wow! Like, just think about that on the like on the grander uh, scope. To borrow a word that you've used, uh, that's like, wow! Anytime we try to better ourselves and fix ourselves, like both of these guys seem like they wanted to do, Kid Loki yeah. and Classic Loki, they seem like they've got pretty good head on their shoulders, you know. Um, but yeah, it doesn't it's work. A- you can't do it. You get sent here to die. So you're never gonna. You're never able to. There's no self improvement. The and that's what we yeah. see a lot in this episode. This is about Loki's improving Loki's, right? <laughs> right, and it's that's that free will thing again. Like you know, if you can't make a choice to better yourself, you're you're enslaved by your own fate. You you don't have free will. And uh, that's, I think, what they're trying to conquer uh, in this, this, that, that restriction here. Like Loki needs to somehow find whoever is pulling the strings here, so that they can have their free will back and actually like make a choice, make a choice to be good version of Loki. Because right now he's kind of all these variants are they're experiencing essentially eternal damnation. They can't, they don't even have the ability to, if they want to try to be better uh, to improve themselves or to be the good guys. So it's, it, that's all, that's a curse. So Loki says, that's why I need to get out of here. Nothing can change until the TVA is stopped. 
Classic Loki asks You trust her He says I, she's the only one I do trust And right now I believe she's our only chance Of stopping the TVA And Kid Loki's in So that's good enough for me And Classic Loki agrees Okay we'll help you But approaching Eliath is a death sentence We'll get you to it But that's as far as we go So he's got some help Now we know that Loki Kid Loki, Classic Loki, Loki Gator They're going to go Head to find Eliath And they're going to help Loki get there This is very Wizard of Oz Very Lord of the Rings Rings. Very right We're we're helping We're helping uh, Accompany him On the way uh, So he can complete The journey You know So so you can You know Finish what you had To to do The uh, the ultimate task At hand As We get a look back At uh, at Now Mobius And Mobius Was talking to Sylvie At the time I really believed We were the good guys she, she says Annihilating entire realities Orphaning little girls Classic hero stuff <laughs> He says back well, I, I guess when you think the ends justify the means There's not much you won't do By the way you did some annihilating too <laughs> Mary Owen You know just uh, after, Afterwards She says I did what I had to do He said so did I She said you hunted me like a dog And he apologizes Says, I'm, I'm sorry about that She says when I pruned myself I thought I might be able to find Loki That storm That thing It's likely already got him And Mobius says you really believe that and She says it doesn't matter The only thing that matters now is getting out of here And finding who's behind all of this Mobius asks how do we do that And she says We turn around and He says what Go back to the angry cloud <laughs> She says yes I think it might be the answer We're going back to it So they flip around And yeah. this is an important Again exposition but very Important because yeah Sylvie would why would Sylvie want to help Mobius she'd be pissed at him All it takes for us as The audience is just a Simple apology like this right um, Yeah and that's it oh hey I'm sorry I didn't know I've actually heard yeah. theories out there of people that think Mobius might also be evil still. And if that yeah. if that happened, like if he was playing mm-hmm. the long game along with Ravona and like I, it would be kind of a cool twist, but I would be so sad if we don't yeah. then it wouldn't mean we're gonna get our jet ski moment, right? And that's the moment right. that we all want. Like we wanna see this guy and Loki have this moment like together or like where their buddies are just kind of see or the Dark Knight Rises moment, right? Is it mm-hmm. like the one at the very end where like Loki rides by Mobius on a jet ski and they just like nod to each other, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and like Beautiful. go on, like some, something like that. Like we have to get that. So, um, yeah, this was a little bit of them two in the car together, but um, it establishes that trust so much that in, in a few minutes, Sylvie even kind of says, oh, yeah, Mobius isn't that bad, you know, so we know that they like him. Yeah, and I, I think we saw an apology. I think it was last episode or one before that, uh, with Loki actually apologizing um, to Sylvie. So they're kind of bringing that back around, just as a a theme that uh, with friendship and relationships and reconciliation, that sometimes it's as simple as an apology. So, <laughs> uh, classic Loki uh, starts to to kind of question, just like Mobius was doing before. Uh, I have to say it feels odd walking towards the gargantuan creature. <laughs> Do you have a plan of action? 
Loki says, get inside, find its heart or braid or whatever, and then, you know, <laughs> do it in. <laughs> and, and kid Loki says, I mean, you know, like it'd be like what one of your buddies was saying if you had just the worst plan ever. Yeah. And, and Loki starts to interrupt him. He says, just because it's not complicated doesn't mean it's bad. And the kid says, it also doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> he he's funny too. The kid he's he's does a really good job, and you know they are, I, yeah. hopefully knock on wood. We've been thinking so with uh with uh, Billy and Tommy, and we've seen the characters uh mm-hmm. of that was well, Isaiah's grandson and uh, yep. uh we, young, Avengers? young Avengers, young Avengers. They're teasing it, and they have to do it kind of quick if they want to use these same actors, right? Because these kids grow up. That's they a can't... really good point. So uh, I could totally see a Young Avengers series on Disney Plus. I think that makes so much sense uh, to have a more youth-oriented MCU uh, property and being a series as well. I think that something about that just clicks and seems right. I could see them announcing that very soon. Yeah, some of the kids can grow all the way with it too, right? Like grow Mm -hmm. into big future projects and stuff like we see with – you know, with how many of these people in the MCU, we've seen them grow over like 15 years, you know, locked right. in, like a lot of these actors, you know, um, that's the fun of it. Right. The, it the is. huge scope of it and seeing them, you know, their their arcs across films. Yeah. And then, yeah, when you uh, and that was what was so cool about Endgame, like, I'm like, man, I remember watching Iron Man in 2008, whenever it came out, 2009. Uh, and that was full 10 years ago. And that yeah. going on that journey and, and seeing how far it's come. And then to actually get that in real time with with the the kids aging up, that that's really cool. We we did that a little bit with Harry Potter too. That series worked so well in part because they were able to keep that world pretty you know contained and yes. um, consistent. You know they they had the same actors you know across a whole decade basically making those yeah. movies. So uh, the even Loki Gator like scoffs at at uh, Loki's plan but Loki, Loki <laughs> says see he's on board and classic Loki <laughs> says uh, he's praying he thinks we're going to die so um this, this is great as like classic Loki is sort of the uh like the uh he he knows what what Gator what Loki Gator is thinking so he'll tell us what he's thinking or saying right and then all of a sudden here comes from a branched timeline Obviously was pruned here A ship A huge ship shows up out of nowhere And it's the USS Eldridge Right in the eyeline Of Eliath And the Lokis see Eliath Get ready to go after the ship And Loki's starting to create a plan And All the sailors and everybody on this ship Like they're moving around They're setting up to like attack Eliath They're shooting into him like you would in in you know in a battle, and yeah. nothing's happening. I mean, they're shooting right at this cloud, and it's just no impact whatsoever. And Eliath just engulfs this entire ship. Now yeah. Loki is before he sees this, Loki's you know hatching his plan. He says Eliath is like any animal; he'll go after the big meal first, and while he's busy with that, we can sneak around the back end. And like while he's saying this, Eliath just. Destroys this ship All the stalers, yeah. everything in it There's zero impact as they try to shoot at it He basically leaves the bare frame Like leaving the bare bones Of an animal as it goes right through And it's like yeah. A five second of like Loki just standing there 
really seeing and realizing the uh, the depth of what Eliath can do. Yeah, and I love this again because it's it's that dropping piece of information that's important to the the story and the progression of the story here. Now we know that you know Eliath cannot be taken down with just like a physical you know straightforward attack. Uh, we're going to have to engage in in the the mystical realm. We're going to have to use magic on this, uh, and that that was also planted earlier, like we mentioned. By classic Loki. So this is a great example of showing, not telling the exposition right here. We get to see this play out with with um, the, the USS Eldridge there. And again, like, like what you had mentioned before, what a great little Easter egg there, having it be this. It's this urban legend kind of, um, you know, uh, a conspiracy type story about a ship that disappeared uh, supposedly the, uh, the Philadelphia experiment and that the, um, the sailors ended up like in the, the walls of the hull, like, like phased through them and stuff like that. It's like a very dark, cool kind of story. You can go down a rabbit hole on Wikipedia on that. But, uh, uh, I just liked that for the, the storytelling moment right there where we were like, okay, now the, the plan we were going to do isn't going to work. So we have to try something else and all yeah. the pieces kind of, you know, converge here. And speaking of converging, we also have our other characters, Mobius yes. and Sylvie. They're converging on, you know, um, Eliath as well. So it's a, it's a great little, uh, the way that they're just intertwining the stories and uh, coming to the end, coming down the home stretch. Uh, I, I think it's, it's very well done. We all meet up here uh, but before, like Loki this is the moment of realization He was not expecting this level of power from Eliath And yeah. so as he watches He knows now They they need to think about this a little bit more They're, they're in trouble <laughs> here As yeah. uh, they They then hear a car driving And you know we we kind of put two and two together A little bit off to the side mm-hmm. uh, We know that it's probably Mobius and Sylvie They don't know mm, that Mobius and Sylvie Are there yet And uh the uh, the Loki, classic Loki and kid Loki Bring up the fact that they can hear a car uh, In the horizon Loki asks, is that bad? Kid Loki in just the calmest Way, says usually that just means uh, Cannibalistic marauders or Cannibalistic pirates <laughs> <laughs> Loki says Delightful, oh now they're slowing down um, Classic asks What are they doing? Kid Loki tells him to stay on guard And Loki Sees Sylvie and man he runs to her he runs over to Sylvie here as classic Loki and kid Loki are still trying to figure him out they they say to each other like I don't understand is he a coward or was he being brave because he does seem different and not like the other Lokis who are all turning on each other um so yeah they what's the x factor What's yeah. the variable? Because that's got, like I brought up before, I think, like in one line, like what separates, you know, our main protagonist, Loki, in this story? Why is he the important Loki that we're following? What's what's different about him? And I, my theory at this point is it's it's what he shared with Sylvie. He he had a, made a connection, a real genuine connection. Uh, so I maybe even fell in love. So I think that's possibly what separates him. We um, now hear Sylvie and Loki. Um, so the the next few minutes of them talking to each other, it's so 
real and awkward and they literally play it yeah. like they're two 14 year old kids that have never that are like getting ready for their first kiss you know when it's like yeah. you're you're with that girl or guy or, or whoever you're interested in and there's that moment when like your hands touch each other and then you kind of like <laughs> grab pinkies and then you're kind of holding hands a little bit like there's that energy here with these two it's yeah. like they didn't think they were going to see each other again and now they're like they got this big plan but they're also still feeling all these feelings that they don't they don't know what to do with um yeah. it's they they do a great job of making you feel it they you just feel this like awkward the re, like real moments where you're trying to be like oh come on speed it up already you know like where right. it's uh yeah. good stuff and, yeah, there's uh, one moment where um, Sylvie says, uh, you could, like, change my outfit or something like that. And, yeah. and it was, like, said in jest, but there's this, like, p- moment where I'm thinking, like, oh, is he going to do it? Is that is that too forward? Was they, like, like yeah. sh- Would that be, you know, too presumptuous to actually do that or whatever? Did she really want him to do that? Uh, I, I don't know. It was, it was really cool. And I also uh, – I saw – I got to give credit to another video. I'm not sure where I saw it. It might've been Nerdist or new rock stars or uh, one of these um, recap videos that I'll watch on this, but uh, they were, they compared it to this scene in wet, hot American summer where uh, I forget is, I think it's Michael Showalter and one of the actresses that's in it. And they're like taking off and like keep trading like their clothes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really funny uh, take on that kind of a moment in, in, in movies. So uh, Loki, uh, Sylvie says to Loki, "You're alive. Uh, what happened to you? You okay?" And then they, he's Loki sees Mobius. Uh, and Sylvie says, "We thought you could do with some backup." And so alligator uh, with uh, Loki, Gator, Classic, and Kid Loki, they walk into frame. And I, I thought this was such a cool moment where the, you know, the Lokis have their guard up. Because everybody that comes here, everything that comes here, they're they're always, you know, like expecting it to be like variant, something evil, something bad. But Loki tells them, "No, no, wait, these are my friends," mm. which yeah. um, was cool. And then he explains to to Mobius and Sylvie, "They're um, how's best to put this? Uh, us as a child, us in the future, and us as an alligator. It's best not to question it." <laughs> <laughs> it was And Mobius says uh, You throw a rock out here You hit a Loki <laughs> um, Again like Just the funniest and the most fun way Of giving us this exposition Yeah, It's, it's not yeah, like really the, the Star Wars Like we're gonna read stuff off the screen You know we're gonna mm-hmm. hear it Said in jokes and like And really like uh, Them having a good time with it It's there's There's um a self-awareness is a word that I heard on, on a different show too And I think that was a binge mode And, and that's a word that I, That's what is so awesome about the MCU And maybe one thing that at sometimes um, I think people and fans of Star Wars have, have had a problem with a little bit And like when you look at like Mandalorian It didn't seem to have that problem at all It They seem to be To know Like they're very self-aware of who they are Or what they are This store like this is the most outlandish story You know what I mean like we are as As fans yeah. of this we are Believing we are along for the ride of All these crazy stories if you Make it and you take yourself too Seriously yeah it That's when 
things can go wrong That's when the details and the specifics Become you can't ever mess up When you have some fun with yourself Which they do and they really seem to have Done that more and more in the last mm-hmm. Half of the Marvel movies and on they realize that Hey we gotta be really fun We really gotta hit on the comedy um, They yeah. changed the way that Thor As a character was you know he became Much mm-hmm. more lovable much more likable And when with stuff like this Where they're they're just Having fun with themselves um, Yeah th- That's my favorite part of the MC That's my favorite part of anything Like you know I'm into wrestling we joke about it Like we're into mm-hmm. these huge things like don't take it too seriously Have fun with it Like we're all part of the journey We're all along for this ride yeah. um, This was like I said fun I kept getting that feeling with this episode Over and over Fun Oh definitely But you know what I, to, to what you were saying there the, uh, they, they walk the line very well uh, Because if you go a little too far In that direction you, you, you dip into self parody yep. You need to have the right amount of sincerity 100% uh, there uh, otherwise you're not going to be invested and you're going to feel like there's no stakes to anything and you know everything's just going to be kind of willy-nilly happening on screen but uh i think they're really smart about just like when something is surreal or, or out of the ordinary to such a degree like yeah your characters on screen also have to kind of acknowledge that yes and have to like speak to it like yeah this is Fucking wild! You know, like, what is Denny going on here? In Wandavision, right? Right. It gives you that. It grounds it because it's like, mm-hmm. okay, yes, this is fantastical. Like people would be kind asking. of having their minds blown and asking all kinds of questions about it. So it makes sense in the context. You know, it has to be the right amount of that. You're. At, it's a perfect formula, like you said. You can't be just silly because then you become just a goofy movie. Right, no, right. no pun intended there, which is one of my damn favorite yeah. Disney movies of all time. Like, it becomes camp. It becomes yeah. camp if you go that, exactly. that far. Exactly. Um, so, uh, so, Sylvie, so, 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 you know, uh, Sylvie says, "So you're all going out after that giant cloud monster too?" Then Loki says, "Well, we haven't decided how we're going to kill it, but she says, come again, kill it.'" Like mockingly <laughs> asks him. He, and Loki so matter of factly says, "Yes, we're going to kill Elioth." She says, "Oh my God, that was your plan?" <laughs> and he says, "Yeah." And she looks around at the others and she's like, "And you went along with it?" <laughs> and she like shaming them. <laughs> and then the kid Loki's like, "I had my doubts." <laughs> classic Loki's are probably unsafe. <laughs> and so there, this was just good, like really funny. As uh, like Loki asks them, uh, asks Sylvie, okay, like what's your plan? And she says, I think the person we're after is beyond the void at the end of time. And if they are, that thing is just their guard dog protecting the way in. So how do we get past the guard dog? Sylvie says, I'm going to enchant it. And they laugh. And Loki laughs at her. (laughs) That's insane, right? As insane (laughs) as what? Paper cutting a cloud to death? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> 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 and, uh, uh, this is when Loki says to her Listen I've been down here longer than you <laughs> He starts to mansplain To her like about the void <laughs> it, Like he's been here like two seconds Longer than, than she has he, right. he, he obviously has no idea Like even compared to Kid Loki And Classic Loki like what's what's Really going on here um, So this yeah. was this was great um, She says though Again, I'm going to enchant it. <laughs> Mobius says she's pretty confident. 
yeah, this was funny, TK. And uh, yeah. again, we so the plan has changed. It's not just um, it, it's sort of like they've kind of combined their two plans. They knew they knew they had to get to Eliath. They knew they had to go to Eliath because whatever um, be is beyond this, you have to get past Eliath to get there. Um, Loki thought he would be able to just uh, kill the thing. Um, Sylvie, now I think something that we may have glossed over. Sylvie is is um, offering up this plan because when she arrived in the void and when she like mm. hopped out of that bus. And was running There was this moment where like they She did sort of get the Like to see beyond um, Beyond Eliath She sort of right. like Touched Eliath and She did yeah. enchant him for a moment But it was like she didn't have enough Power to really yeah. hold it But she could get like a, a glimpse Yes she could get a glimpse That there was something behind him So this wasn't just Complete speculation from her She actually saw something And and that's you know that was why So uh, that was also a, an important Moment a little before she knows right. that, that there's something there Yeah there's something beyond the void she saw And I believe in that Sequence you kind of see this bit of Like a castle or something Yes like um, a citadel I think is Yeah I citadel, right, right. Uh, So in it it's got that Like spooky Old like horror house like castle mm-hmm. look to it Just visually a, again A very very good episode with uh, with a lot of these Things as yeah. and cosmic Colors too like Evocative of yeah. the purples And the iridescent stuff that reminded me Of almost like ra- the rainbow bridge stuff And Thor but also a little bit of quantum realm Type stuff I'm little not sure exactly Wanda sky stuff too you know You yeah. get some of that look. yes um, As we Get back to the TVA and uh, Ravona has Hunter B-15 detained now She asks, why am I locked in here? Ravona tells her, you freed the variant You were disloyal to the TVA Disloyal? Disloyal to who? You were in the Timekeeper's chambers They weren't even real Ravona says, do you think you'd escape punishment? Why does that even change anything? That changes everything, B-15 says People need to know the truth And Ravona says, no the TVA needs stability. This I don't want to get like political or anything here, but this just reminds me of like you know we live in the United in the U.S. and there's like just the really like the two party system for the most part, and yeah. it's like this is just totally what would happen when somebody from one side or the other did something awful, stupid, and like they're out, and yes. now you just got to like. Oh, hey, we we need some stability. We all got like in, instead of just you yeah. know being honest, right? It's like we just right. got to keep running with this. We got to keep going. Like we got to stabilize. And it's like she's she's so drunk on the Kool Aid. Yes, it's cult. It's cult uh, mentality, cult uh, behavior. Like when you have doomsday cults, for example, uh, they'll usually like they'll have like a date. Like the world's gonna end on January fifteenth, and then January fifteenth comes. And you've got like half the people in the doomsday cult go, what the, what the fuck, man? Like uh, this was bullshit yeah. all along. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then the other half, they turn the opposite way. They 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 rationalize and they go deeper. 
So that's that's just how it goes. And like that definitely applies to to politics as well. You see it all the time where, you know, something comes to light with, you know, you know, a, a truth maybe comes to light that's uh, that affects, you know, one party or another. And people in that party, like even if their beliefs have been kind of proven wrong, they'll stick Dig with the party and toe the party line. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And that's the yeah, one thing of the last couple of years, obviously, has, has frustrated me because I think. Nothing and nobody can is can ever and will ever be 100% right or wrong, you know, right. with things. And so if you feel that someone is 100% right or you're always sticking up for someone or something, TK, I love you. Right. You're my buddy. If you did some bad shit, I'm not going <laughs> to stick by you. You know what I mean? Like if you did some <laughs> really you. bad stuff, like I'll I'll yeah. talk to you about it, but and if it's like some <laughs> bad stuff, I'm like sorry, but bro, like that and I think you know, we we gotta kind of be that. Like, you know, you, yeah. you change as you get more information. And unfortunately, Ravona is drinking the Kool Aid here. She's gotten all the information. She knows. And this was another scene where it's like, again, okay, what the hell? Like, how much does she know? Because she says, until yeah. we figure out what's going on, stability is what we need. So you need to tell me everything. Ravona wants to know uh, about what Hunter B fifteen. Um, found out through Sylvie And so she asks What drives her Hunter B-15 says revenge drives her Killing the timekeepers But they turned out to be fake in case you forgot So she'll be searching for whomever Created them This isn't about protecting the TVA at all Is it You just want to find whoever's behind all this too As she questions Ravona And she laughs She says you'll never find them Not before she does you only want it She needs it And so oh. Hunter B-15, she's got it figured out She knows Sylvie is going to find things out before you She's smarter And this is Maybe what happened to Conor McGregor uh, the, night, the night, you mm. know, you and I are uh, talking about the This the day after Sometimes you get all your money It's Rocky Three. You get your money, you get famous mm-hmm. You get you're not as hungry as the people that need it to survive They need to yeah. win to, to move on and Sylvie's needed to figure things out in order to stay alive her entire life. She she couldn't be wrong with the information that she would any of her plans, any of her thoughts. If something was wrong, she's dead. So she's had to be one step ahead forever. Yeah, this has been her her glorious purpose for a long time running now, and uh, it's just basically what's what's been fueling her, what's been feeding her, uh, and it's her sole focus. And that, um, you know, is one of the main things that differentiated her from Loki, uh, you know, our Loki uh, early on, because, you know, his sole purpose was a little bit murky. And, you know, he had his, you know, he wanted power and to get to the next step. But then there was that thing that Mobius pointed out of like, but but then what? Like, how how much have you like even really thought this through? Like, do you even really know what you want? Well, she knows what she wants. Uh, and like like um, a hunter says here, uh, she needs it. She doesn't just want it. She needs it. Um, it is essential to her character, so uh, she's going to come out on top. Uh, she, she, Hunter here has every, um, every, just all, all the belief in the world that you know she's she's going to win over Ravona here, just because Ravona just wants it, and uh, Sylvie needs it. Here comes, uh, here comes Towley, uh, Mister Hanky the Christmas Pooh. Hey y'all, yeah. Miss Minutes. <laughs> she jumps. She comes back in. <laughs> And, and, I never connected that. That's 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 good. She, just when she said that, hey 
y'all. It came back and reminded <laughs> me of like, hi. <laughs> so she says, uh, she jumps back in. Ravona asks, I need all the files on the founding of the TVA, everything from the beginning of time. Well, that's a mighty tall order. Whoever created this place is in danger. So Ramona, Ravona doesn't seem to know who is behind this. She says, whoever created this place is in danger. I need to fight them right away, ma'am. So Miss Minutes is on the, the search for any more information that she could possibly get about the start of time, um, who created all of this. So, yeah, we didn't really know earlier in the episode, and I guess we still don't officially, but... Um, it seems like Ravona is just this very brainwashed soldier yeah. more than she's like a big bad or she's behind it in any way. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, you know, she doesn't mind that it's not that, that the timekeepers aren't real. Uh, she she's serving the system. She believes in the system. So if there's somebody else that was behind the timekeepers, they're actually the ones that are behind the system. Uh, so she wants to serve them. So that's why I'm kind of leaning towards this thought that it could be Kang. That's the big bad that set this whole thing up because that would kind of tie into the relationship in the comics. Like perhaps they're they're setting up her to kind of meet Kang here and then become one of his acolytes or, and perhaps love interest uh, in some fashion down the line. Um, I could I could definitely see them making that kind of connection. So uh, we now see Mobius. He's hanging out with classic Loki and with kid Loki. And they're, they're, uh, the three of them are sort of getting to know each other as Loki and Sylvie are sharing a moment together. So classic Loki uh, asks Mobius about the gator. He says, you really don't remember him. And Mobius says, I mean, the TVA arrested a lot of Lokis, but no, I don't remember an alligator. I mean, who's <laughs> to say he's even a Loki variant? Classic Loki says he's green, isn't he? <laughs> and this is one of my favorite lines of the whole episode where Mobius says, I don't know, he could be lying. The long <laughs> con. Of course, that just makes him more likely to be a Loki. It's always the game within the game with you guys, which I respect. <laughs> this is such a perfect Owen Wilson delivery, too, with this one. As uh, yeah, every time he every time he delivers a line, it seems it's it's just kind of fun. I, anytime he opens his mouth, you kind of give a little chuckle or a smile. You know, I, I feel like having almost good, no wasted moments. That's a good and and that's like I, I can't remember and for like the last time where I can specifically have seen it in a movie or a show where like you can tell that a, an actor or somebody's kind of mailing it in, but you just mm-hmm. don't get that feel at all. Like Richard E. Grant. He was having yeah. so much fun with this. Like Owen Wilson, yeah. you could tell he's having so much fun. Tom Hiddleston's having a blast with this. Like they all you could tell they all are it's not like something oh like my agent made me do this or whatever. Like they are yeah. all in they're embracing the fun, the goofiness. Um yeah. and I, I think someone like Richard E. Grant was probably and and seeing um some of his posts and social media and stuff the last few days, I, I yeah. think he was like surprised, not that he didn't realize, but you do an episode of a Star Wars or a, a Marvel thing, how big of reach that is and how many yeah. people are going to realize like who you are quickly. Yeah, instantly iconic, I think, you know, like uh, 
he's probably being inundated with like fan art and like all this kind of uh, you know positive messages uh, from people on on Twitter and Instagram and whatnot. Uh, instantly, I, I didn't I wasn't really that familiar with him before this, but all no, of a sudden, like I'm like, oh, this guy's really cool. He's a yeah. this great you know fine actor, and he really put his his stamp on this. And I think there's even going to be a, a little bit of a demand for more of it, you know, whether that be an expansion in the comics, some backstory or a follow-up or bringing him, him back around, you know, with these, uh, I, we haven't gotten to that part of the episode yet, but no one ever really stays dead or you, they don't have to, at least, especially a Loki. Um, so it's a, uh, I think it's a, uh, he really, it's a, it's a cool story out, out of this, that an actor like that, a character actor who's been, mm-hmm working on a very high level for a long time can have this sort of pop in, in pop culture uh, right now and have his, have his kind of moment. So Kid Loki asks Mobius, um, assuming you get back to the TVA, what exactly are you getting yourself into? Mobius uh, says, I don't know. I'd like to let the people know the truth. This was a really important moment where classic Loki asks. So just like that, you're turning on the very thing you devoted your life to. And Mobius says, well, it's never too late to change. Like that, that inspires him. That is like what inspires classic Loki, who he's older. He can't believe that someone could change. We've heard kind of some of his sort of stubborn, you know, uh, beliefs and thoughts that of, of what Lokis are and how they can't be different and how it doesn't matter. Any versions of them are all evil and, he right. like this 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 little interaction with Mobius here, hearing and seeing somebody else that feels like they genuinely can change and and should change, like this this sets up the end of the episode and and this is like the planting. I think I think throughout the episode you can see classic Loki looking at Loki and knowing that he's a little different. In fact, you know they even say it to each other, him and Kid Loki, yeah. like um. But th- this felt like the final piece of the puzzle to maybe get his like complete character arc to get to have him come full circle and realize, you know what? Yeah. I can change. Yeah. They planted those seeds so well. And again, it's that thing of like they, they said it earlier on. I think it was Kid Loki said it like they that they don't even have like the ability or the right to, to change. And that's the whole thing that the TVA was kind of preventing. Like, no, you're not allowed to change. Like you're supposed to be this. You're supposed to be the bad Loki that dies at Thanos's hand, and that if you don't, you know, follow that, that's that's just not allowed. Uh, so it goes back to that free will thing again. And now we have even Mobius agreeing that you know free will is important. It's this essential thing, um, and he's completely rebuking uh, the the TVA and what, what he once stood for. So uh, now we get that Sylvie and uh, Loki sitting together, flirting like. Talking uh, so awkwardly as she says, uh, Mobius isn't so bad. And Loki says, or so good. That's why we get along. <laughs> and uh, they chuckle. She tells him he cares about you. And uh, Loki says, oh, it's co- it's cold. And then he, he conjures up a blanket. Oh, and, yes. This and, is and, what I was mentioning before. Yeah, I think I got the scenes a little. Yeah, oh, yeah. But they were all. But... Yeah. This is just. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so he conjures the blanket up. And. uh and you know it's like when it's it's the moment before you're about to either give give your significant other or the the person that you hope to be like put your arm around them 
or the moment where you're about yeah. to like give them your jacket, you know, yeah. you, yeah, you yeah. got a, you got a blanket here. And, um, he says, I could conjure one for you if you like. And she jokes, you could conjure me a new outfit. <laughs> you know, you have right. no idea how uncomfortable something like this is, which is a joke. Like you said, could he do, he could do that. Is that something he was going to do? And it's also just a, like a funny joke about how like a lot of these actors have joked and complained about how hard it is to get into these damn costumes and it's like uncomfortable yeah. getting in and out of them. Like Vision was one I think I, who talked. I about just it. read that. Yeah, right? I just read that. He he. There was an anecdote that he was saying that like there was one time he kind of like lost his shit on on set like where he <laughs> I forget the exact story but uh he really needed to get out of it and like he kind of uh, snapped at some of the people. So, um. So, what's great is I said so And that's one of the lines That like they literally say Like he, he says like so uh, Mobius you know, like, They're literally like awkward How you don't know right? You know you, you want to be you're careful with your words Because you don't want to embarrass yourself In front of this person now That you, you all of a sudden yeah. you're like thinking about What you're saying which you never would have done Before because you got all these weird feelings Going on in your heart like this is such a fun uh, Like Thing to look back on and, and remember when when you know you were there because we've all been here we've all been oh, there in this moment before, and uh, she asks so Mobius his theory ab- about our Nexus event like they're now they're bringing up the fact that they almost broke the world because they were about to have this like moment and right. they're like that was nothing right I mean that was no big deal like no total rubbish no no no. And she says, "Well, it was a nice moment." So they're both kind of pretending like their uh, their Nexus event was was nothing, and they go. This is from, like this is like when uh, like two friends you know have like a one night stand, a drunken one night stand or, or something. Yeah, yeah. And then they're nothing. following up afterwards, and but they're both in love. Yeah, yeah, they both like caught feelings. This is you're yeah. right. It, Oh no, it was nothing. No, no. And but like we as the audience know uh behind the uh, you know the the fourth wall. Um so they they go from being like uh jokey and and like tough with each other to then getting very real. She says uh I I don't mean that. It wasn't it, it I don't mean that it wasn't a nice moment. Um it just sounds like another TVA lie. Yeah, 100%. I mean totally. And then they stop and they look at each other. And Sylvie looks at him, at Loki, and she says, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> it was like, oh my <laughs> gosh, this is great. Like, that is something, I, I probably said that to somebody at the very, one of the first girls I ever went out with, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, like we <laughs> say that because you're just kind of like, you know what, let's just be honest. And Loki says, I don't even know what we're doing. <laughs> She says, I don't have friends. I don't have anyone. Loki says, Well, there are more important things, right? Yeah, Sylvie agrees, like bringing down the TVA. And Loki says, Saving the universe, even. She says, Well, there's no need to be dramatic, but yeah, I guess kind of. So <laughs> this is yeah, real, is what I can say. Like, I love in movies when there's this awkwardness. That you can just sense and it, and it makes you feel it when you're watching And I got this feeling so much Watching these two characters In this episode in particular As you know they, They're like sitting with each other um, And 
He extends the blanket around her. He can tell that she's a little bit cold. So yeah. the blanket goes around her. Um, so of course she has to make a comment. It's not very snuggly. <laughs> she says, is, is it a tablecloth? And he says, no, it's a blanket. Then she says, uh, thank you. And he says, my pleasure. And then she asks him, honestly, how do I know that in the final moments, you won't betray me? Mm. This is like the most real we've ever seen Loki get. He says, listen, yeah. Silky, I betrayed everyone who ever loved me. He's looking her right in the eyes. I betrayed my father. My brother, my home I know what I did And I know why I did it And that's not who I am Anymore Ooh. So yeah. I mean they get the awkward flirty They both get as raw and emotional as possible We get him trying to conjure up the blanket We get her joking back at him Like this These two actors have a lot of chemistry And this is incredible Like this is a scene that's hard to write And like you said it can, you can, this could very quickly become freaking, uh, like Anakin in Attack of the Clones, right? Like, like mm, the love story that, stuff, you yeah. gotta, you know, you, you gotta tiptoe here. Cause it, it can go from being where you're feeling like smiling and enjoying it to being like, oh, this is really corny, really corny. Yeah. You don't want to roll your eyes, but they felt like they tiptoed that line, just like you, you know, piggybacking on your point from earlier. So well because this could Quickly go the other way Yeah you know what they, they, they made it real I think there's an authenticity To the characters uh, Motivations and it was real uh, Real and consistent with Kind of what we've seen from them And their trajectories so far So I think that's The, the key to something like this Anytime to avoiding uh, What you were saying like corniness and stuff like that Is it, it has to feel authentic Motivated, consistent with the characters, and the and the dialogue also was well done. It felt natural mm-hmm. uh, to like just in to their characters uh, and stuff. comparison to the Attack of the Clones thing that you just mm-hmm. mentioned there. Like that was some of the most stilted dialogue Damn, and the so acting cool. in it. Is, it's, it's, uh, it just <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. And uh, I'm I'm not somebody that really hates on even the, the prequels too much. I I love the prequels in yeah, their own right. But, I would say that's dialogue, my least favorite of them, but yeah. Yeah, I think for most, and the and the and the dialogue was what it like. These two characters, they feel like they love each other. They feel like they have this awkward like they're they're caring about each other. They're like you know, and you, you kind of feel it, and you never really yeah. felt it in Attack of the Clones. They kind of like just thrust it upon you, and we're just supposed to believe that these two people are in love, and it's like why they maybe cut some yeah. scenes that we should have. This. This was the total opposite And he tells her earned. Yes you're right the, a, a lot of and what's funny The reason why we feel this Is probably because of the episode of Lamentus 1 Where it may have been One of them mm. and if you're, if you're gonna rank The episodes of this show That would probably be one that most people will end up Ranking 5th or 6th when they're all Said and done but mm-hmm. That was so important In getting us to where we are now In in forget in getting us to believe that these two really care about each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's almost like Thor: A Dark World in a way. Like mm-hmm. it, that 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 movie is so rich with like kind of plot points that that are that affect the story later on, especially in this series. 
Uh, but in Endgame, they like directly go back to Thor, a dark world. It's not the most popular movie, but um, yeah, just like in in this case, maybe that's not the most popular or well-received episode on first viewing, but it's kind of essential to the story. It serves its purpose. He tells Sylvie, I won't let you down. And she says, are you sure? Because if we make it and the TVA is gone, there might be a timeline for you to rule. And they, now they start joking with each other again. And he says, and then I'd finally be happy. But he asks her, what about you? What will you do when all this is over? And she says, I don't know. And he says, I don't know either. Maybe. And they look right at each other, right into each other's eyes. You almost thought they were going to kiss for a moment. I get it sort of looked. And... uh he says, maybe we could figure it out together. Yeah. And she looks back at him and says, maybe, which is a yes. You know, it's her, it's her yes, <laughs> like her kind of smiling maybe. It's just, this is just so foreign to her. Ta- yeah. Talking about a few, like planning something with another person, talking about a future together, yeah. sharing like these feelings trust. With, with trust. For both yeah. of them, it does feel like Loki is is kind of, Gotten to this point a little quicker than Sylvie like he's kind of there I think you know Loki's had the benefit Of seeing literally Watching his life and those That's so important that's right It's like fast forwarded his arc you know It gave Mm -hmm. him a fast forward to get him Much closer to the Loki That we knew when he died in Endgame And I think that now we're at This point in his story especially Within this conversation here I think It just kind of cements it uh, that like we're we basically got that Loki back for all yep. intents and purposes. Well, you know here. that his arc brought him back to essentially it's the yes. same character right That's now at this r- point in time. That's perfect. As we start to hear the loud sounds in the background, the thunder and and uh, the huge uh, Eliath moving towards them. So we see all five of our Loki variants standing together with Mobius. That's also been a question too that people have asked: Is Mobius really a Loki variant? Also, I don't think so. I think he's yeah. different. I think he's his own. Um, the the Lokis themselves, uh, classic Loki, Kid Loki, Loki Gator, Loki, and Sylvie all standing there, kind of together with Mobius watching. As and this is where we talk. Like this felt so much like a movie. With them standing there and like the big kind of end scene coming up or like one of the big battles coming up as they stand there and watch. And we keep talking about, you know, comparing it to Lord of the Rings is like the helm's deep. You're yeah. getting these like feels of just this awesome, like epic, grandiose, huge mm-hmm. cloud of Eliath here yeah. as um, Mobius asks, what's the next move? And Sylvie lays it out. The TVA needs to be brought down. We don't know who created it or where they are, but that thing out there does. When it hit me earlier, I linked to it. It was brief, but I caught a glimpse of something, and I think if I can get close enough to it, I can enchant it, and it's going to take me to whoever's behind all of this. So she's she's got the plan out, and she gives Loki her temp pad, which is another cool moment just of trust, like, the thing yeah. they argued over and were trying to trick each other, you know, and one up each other, she just hands it off to him like nothing. She's she's obviously completely trusting him now. Yeah, another show don't tell kind of story moment right there too. We 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 just get to see 
how how that plays out now and the, how their dynamic has changed so fundamentally from the point where she was trying to steal it from him at one point and he was keeping it from her and now they're just sharing openly that's that trust it's it's uh it's right there on the surface and as uh Sylvie gives the the temp pad to Loki he says I'm staying and in my head all I get is Titanic, you go, I go, you jump, I jump. <laughs> this is what uh, I was feeling right here. A little Jack and Rose. Uh, as uh, she, Lo- she says, Loki, I don't know if this is going to work. He says, you go, I go. My note was Titanic Loki here. <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> it's um, uh, So they can see a branch kind of coming off, and, and they'll, they're sort of mapping their plan out. So the branch is going to be right out there, and, it, and they're starting to, uh, you know, to, to figure out what the plan of attack is. Mobius takes the temp pad, and he says, "Okay, I'll give your regards to Renslayer as uh, the Loki's kid classic, uh, kid Loki and classic Loki. They choose to stay in the void. Mobius offers them uh, to come back. He says, "Boys, you boys want to take it out of here? No, we're staying here. This is our home." He asks, "What about Elioth?" We've survived this long We know what we're doing And this was the moment when Kid Loki gives the dagger that you mentioned To Loki which was a really cool Moment because this was uh, what, what, the, what was the name of it again You had it, I think you had it earlier Levia oh, Yes uh, Levitane there I think go. Yeah So he's got Levitane He's got the uh, the dagger sort of the family Dagger back with him As classic Loki Wishes them luck And Mobius uses the temp pad To open up a portal He has to say his goodbye And he looks over to Loki And says looks like you got away in the end Loki jokes I always do What will you do at the TVA He asks Mobius And Mobius uh, goes for a handshake And he says burn it to the ground Thanks for the spark We'll see you later, Loki. And he sticks out his hand, but Loki, brothers don't shake hands. Brothers <laughs> hug. <laughs> and uh, he gives him a I big love the hug. Tommy Boy reference there, right? Thank if you. you get, Thank you for that. Probably got a little. Some people may got a little. T- like this is this is good. Like this is our Loki character who's been a, a sniveling, lying, weaselly, conniving guy for so many movies and stabbed so many people in the back. And who the hell knows there's a final episode right Like he can still do that here but This like these Moments that he just shared with Sylvie And then with Mobius the hug And then as they hug Mobius looks at Sylvie and whispers To her you're my favorite (laughs) And she's just She's smiling And it's like As she watches this And as she kind of watches Loki have these real even Loki like talking with Kid Loki and classic Loki and then Loki talking with Mobius. It's sort of like um when uh when you're dating someone and then like they see you holding a child and they like see you like playing with the kids and that you're just like the great you're just so cool with these kids and you're so nice <laughs> and you're holding the and they get this like look where they're like oh wow like that might be the one. You know, like that might yeah. like they that's sort of what Sylvie's looking at Loki like right here. As she sees yeah. him sharing mm-hmm. in this real moment with Mobius, is like, oh wow, like this is a good guy. 
Yeah. And it kind of uh, speaks to, I think I mentioned this principle when uh, in an earlier podcast, but like when, when a character is like caring for another character, it makes you like as the viewer also care for the character. They could even be like a morally ambiguous character like Tony Soprano, but like you see him care for people in his life. And that's sort of why you root for him, even though he might be doing terrible things. And then similarly, you've got um, Sylvie seeing Loki kind of make this genuine connection. And that sparks in her more caring for him and more of like a, um, reinforcement of that this is somebody uh that she can trust but also i I just want to point out a little bit a a couple lines back how great of a a callback it was uh for for mobius to say burn it to the ground because that's what loki said he was going to do what he wanted to do initially so it's this great moment where now we're we're just reinforcing and solidifying that they're in sync they're in tandem together they have aligned uh goals um, and so uh, that it's, it's uh, again, like the architecture of this story is kind of perfectly drawn out here where they're they're coming to together in the end. Uh, and they have this great arc where they've they've changed and now they're going to conquer this common goal together. It's just great classic storytelling um, and just uh, good stuff. Good stuff. And also that they say, friend, thank you, my friend, friend That's that other right? call back to like. And they've been reinforcing it in a lot of little ways. But just earlier on, one of the things that cut deepest to Loki, what Mobius said, was he said, you're a bad friend. Yeah. Um, and and I read that the showrunner, uh, when he was asked sort of what what's the defining characteristic of Loki, it's, it's loneliness. Loneliness. And that played out in a few different ways yeah. um, in this episode. Classic Loki story. Classic Loki. Yeah. Big time. Big time. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting. So now uh, Mobius heads out And Sylvie And Loki get ready She says when a branch appears Elioth will focus on it They stand together And she says that's when I'll enchant it But Elioth is Is like right there As Classic and Kid Loki Walk off But Classic Loki kind of turns back And he looks at Loki And Sylvie and Elioth And he has this moment where we don't know quite yet what he's thinking But we're going to find out in a second Loki and Sylvie look Goliath head on And Loki realizes he has to sort of be the bait He needs to cause a distraction here So he runs off to the side to try to get Goliath's attention To try to trigger Goliath As L- Loki's kind of waving his dagger Come and get me! And he's running <laughs> off um, And he says, no, this way, come and get me! So Loki sees Elioth going right after Sylvie She tries to enchant Elioth But it doesn't seem to be working And out of nowhere To save the day It's classic Loki He creates this incredible illusion A hologram of all of Asgard Incredible visual as he's like Conjuring this up sort of like how we would see Wanda kind of conjure You know and then the power kind of come out of her But we're seeing him like Putting together All of Asgard And I mean this was Just he's summoning so The great. power and he's like straining To hold this illusion yeah. Up And oh, it, It's 
what they needed. Loki and Sylvie needed the distraction, and he gave them the distraction. Without him, their plan isn't going to work. It and what ends up happening is like this starts pissing off uh, Eliath because he he, he's trying to like eat you know what he sees in front of him, but it's just an illusion. So yeah. he's going through it and he's getting like frustrated and raw and like it's, it's ramping him up even more and more. Um, visually, you know, we talked about how with some of these shows mm-hmm. uh, and something that you mentioned that they always didn't necessarily seem like they had the same kind of maybe production va- uh, budget or um, maybe they yeah. had to kind of sometimes half ass it a little bit with graphics and CGI stuff here. What did you think about that as far as this, this episode? Absolutely. I I had the thought like, oh, they put a lot of their resources into yep. this thing right here because right. I was just absolutely blown away by this. I thought it was really, really high and stuff that could have been in a movie. Absolutely. It was it was super epic. It was large, sweeping vistas, uh, uh, the, the trippy kind of visual and bringing out this like his version of Asgard on this massive scale. Um, and it story-wise, it was this great moment that kind of echoed, you mentioned Lord of the Rings multiple times here, the Balrog moment when um, Gandalf has his like standoff with the Balrog uh, and he's like, you shall not pass! And he kind of goes down uh, in that before coming back as uh, the, the White Wizard version of, of Gandalf. It's this great, great kind of parallel moment here with classic Loki who for all intents and purposes is kind of like the old wizard of the group. They're all kind of wizards, but he's the older wizard. He's the Gandalf of this, of this crew. And he has his Gandalf moment, you know, staring down this huge monster uh, and showing the, the, the magnitude of his power uh, in this moment and really having this hero moment also that, that allows the uh, the main heroes on our journey to kind of move forward and 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 get to their goal. I, I was just watching uh, Forgetting Sarah Marshall the other night too when he does it. The you shall not pass. <laughs> He's wearing the sweatpants for seven straight days. <laughs> and, uh, oh, amazing, uh, uh, good stuff. As uh, yeah, this was just uh just awesome. Sylvie asks, "How is he doing that?" And Loki says, I think we're stronger than we realize. And they stand together watching what classic Loki is capable of. Yes. So uh, cool. Yeah, he gave them the distraction that they needed. He says, And the inspiration. Yeah. Yeah. And he screams, go to Sylvie. And uh, Sylvie grabs Loki by the hand. Says, we're going to enchant it. Loki says, I don't know how. She says, yes, you do, because we're the same. They look at each other, preparing. Meanwhile, Elias is furious because he's trying to destroy the illusion of Asgard. Asgard's not really there. He keeps trying to gobble up buildings that aren't there. And uh, classic Loki's just screwing with Elias, and he's loving it. He's loving, like, teasing him with this. But he's starting to lose his power. I mean, think about... You know how it was with Wanda Think about how it is with Yoda or anyone That has to use their power It drains you It's not you can't you don't just have unlimited power Source at all time the more you use It's going to drain like the life Out of you so Loki summons classic Loki summons all of his power 
to try and uh, enchant Eliath. And so what we basically get here is we basically get like these three Lokis together, Sylvie, Loki, and classic Loki using all of yeah. their power to enchant Eliath. Yeah, pretty badass stuff here. I, I got to say, like, um, and it's it's always very iffy when you're dealing with uh, like magic and how that's going to be portrayed on screen. You know, the, there's so many examples of like third acts of these like Marvel and uh, DC or like just comic book movies in general. Not so, not as much in the MCU, but in the lesser of the of these types of films, like the third acts can a lot of time, even in some of the better ones, the third acts can be a little bit too much of just like there's some glowing shit in the sky and there's like some energy field and uh and it's kind of just um nothing to it but this just had had a had a spark to it it had a um a flare to it and it looked cool the uh elias looked really threatening i liked how it had a little bit of a dog face it was kind of the guard dog they said um, and just the, yeah, the, the, the style and the visuals, uh, were, were, were just stunning for lack of a better word. And, uh, the final line from classic Loki as he like mm-hmm. is, he's about to get engulfed by Eliath, but he's literally sacrificed himself. He's given every ounce of his being, his energy, his magic, his everything he could to help Sylvie, to help Loki. And his last line is. Glorious purpose <laughs> He screams it As uh, Sylvie, Loki, and classic Loki Have enchanted Oliath. He is basically frozen yeah. And so Sylvie and, and Loki ha- They have their eyes closed And they open their Sylvie opens her eyes first And she sees everything's kind of like frozen in front of her And she tells Loki to open your eyes And yeah. It worked and we can see behind Eliath, there is that building, that castle, citadel, whatever it is, yeah. this this evil looking uh, place to we believe is the the place that houses whoever is behind all of this, the person who was pulling the strings at, at the TVA, the person who was in charge of the timekeepers, the one who's been yeah. pruning and setting everything up, and the man behind the curtain, he's the there. Wizard of Oz, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're here, and so now we have one episode left. We have episode six with our characters at the point of this castle citadel. They have arrived, they are about to walk in. And who do they find? Who is the big bad? What happens next? What happens with Mobius heading back to the TVA, running into yeah. Ravona there? Does Hunter B 15? Get out and and help on this journey too of of our right. good guys. Uh, do we see Kid Loki show back up? Is classic Loki actually gone? Um, Great one, yeah. So a lot of questions that we can ask here, and this, I, man, this, yeah, uh, this was such a good episode of TV. Yeah. Just wow, wow, wow. It made me really think about. It as a, like a movie, like a big screen kind of experience, and I almost question like, man, I, well, should this have been a movie? Like this yeah. is really great scope to this, uh, and it plays really well. It's, it, I mean, honestly, it's it's the best thing that the MCU's done on TV so far, hands down. I'm I'm convinced of that now, and that's how kind of how I felt the whole way. Uh, and uh, but yeah, there's just something magic to. I mean, <laughs> it's obviously about magic, but. They they really do it in kind of a magical way. The way that every, they reveal slowly all the 
the the little uh, the mysteries to it, and the, the visuals have this kind of uh, kind of whimsical, kind of uh, exciting, enchanting uh, sort of quality to them. Uh, and and yeah, like where are we going here? What is this place beyond the void? Does it connect to the quantum realm? It kind of looks like that. Does it connect to you know the the cosmic uh, you know aspect of the MCU that we've kind of seen already? And, and bits and pieces and stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, is is it is it Kang? Have we been really going up to Kang, or is Kang the new Mephisto for, right. for this season? Yeah. Like, where they just see the big red herring with us all along. Yeah, we just or or maybe like they're not even messing with us, but they're just like rich with Easter eggs and like oh, there's a bunch of Kang Easter eggs here, so we're we're just like eating it up and connecting dots that maybe we shouldn't. Um, who knows? Uh, but Kang seems like a very strong possibility i also wonder if you've heard the theories i think we might have brought this up earlier but you know we've got all these variant loki's like is the big bad a a variant loki or sylvie yes i had somebody had said is it even sylvie like the one behind it all i that's that's what's so great about having these as weekly shows we get to ask these questions right if we binge watch a season we wouldn't be asking these questions with each other every recap that we have but we get to true Play on these theories because we don't know yet And if we could just go to episode 6 We would know we wouldn't really stop and think and ask Um Yeah It's fun to be wrong too Like you know, I, I, I'm sure we've, we've we've surmised Like a million different things About about these shows So far that have been way Completely off base, But that's like part of the fun yeah. So much fun and I cannot wait to get to episode 6 This is going to be a big uh, couple of weeks on, on That's What G Said as far as Marvel content is concerned Because we've got Loki finishing up here We just got you episode 5 And we're going to go through episode 6 And then Black Widow just came out You can watch Black Widow on Disney Plus We're not going to talk about it at all on this show In fact, when we by the time when we recorded this Tim and I both have not watched it yet And I think we're both planning on sitting down And watching it Later on today after today. we record yeah. So I'm going uh, right after this Actually awesome. up so yeah AMC. later In the week expect uh, Black Widow coming out As I told Tim uh, we talked about What's nice is that um, it's a little less time Sensitive in that there's not a Black Widow episode Two that I want to make sure we're finished before yeah. Like we can have a few days to let people uh, Sort of watch so that way Everyone can be along the ride with us on uh, For Black Widow but you'll have a Black Widow review and recap coming out soon from uh, from Tim and me, and then you'll also have uh, Loki episode six, the finale of season one, and we'll talk about everything. What finished up? What questions do we still have to ask? Is Loki still around? Is Sylvie the new Loki? Who's the Loki? Before? I mean, just a billion yeah. things uh, that have been kind of planted in our brains uh, throughout this series so far. Yeah, there's a lot of ways they can go with it, and uh, I, I can't say I'll be disappointed with uh, almost any of the options that I'm thinking of. So I'm just I'm excited to see where where they leave us off, and uh, what you know if if Tom Hiddleston's Loki is still around at the end of the series, where he's going to be going from there. I mean, are are we going to see him as uh, a new kind of anti-hero within the MCU moving forward, or is it going to be kind of a swan song? Uh, I even had this thought of like may- maybe the Loki that we're seeing right here. They're they're pulling this major fast one, and he's planning literally on taking over the right? the, the, the TVA. And like he's right? gonna pull a fast one and and betray. Can Sylvie you really and, ever and trust be- the Loki? Right, like the the Loki that we've come to love now, and what I was just saying is like aligned with the you know the hero Loki that we lost in Endgame. 
Like, I'm still thinking maybe they could have him twist and, like, that's the new big bad moving forward. Like, this 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 Loki that's kind of running the time stream and messing with um, the multiverse. Can you imagine a, a Loki, the, a mischief, the god of mischief, uh, in charge of the multiverse and all the different ways that he could muck that up? And maybe Doctor Strange has to come and kind of save that. And we've got these two master wizards going head-to-head in Multiverse of Madness, plus... Plus Wanda uh, Maximoff mixed in there as well, so that, that's that's one option, and I I can see that totally being like a rich, fun kind of uh, branch on this multiverse time stream here. So, but I'm not attached to it. Like they could take me, you know, either way, and I I'd I'd, uh, I'd have faith that they're going to do it pretty well. Passengers along for the ride here, and yep. uh, one more journey in season one of Loki. Episode 6, which will be coming out in just a few days And anytime there's anything uh, Marvel-related New shows, new movies We're going to be your uh, your one-stop shop For recaps, reviews, for fan theories For predictions, for going off on tangents Thinking outside the box Always here <laughs> on That's What G Said With Tim Kelly Make sure to give TK a, fi- uh, a follow there At Tim is not funny On Twitter and on Instagram And you can find uh, the music project Ice Cream Fire What iTunes, Spotify, everywhere you get your music Right? Exactly Perfect, Tim Kelly will be back in just a few days TK, enjoy Black Widow I look forward to picking Thank your you. brain on that And uh, look forward to talking about the, uh, the season finale of Loki Definitely, pleasure as always Thanks for having me and a happy belated birthday to uh, your significant other, Jackie, who uh, was uh, just had a birthday uh, right after uh, we're recording this. So uh, thanks for helping out again. Hopefully you guys weren't too hungover and uh, didn't party too hard. <laughs> TK. So thanks, buddy. Hope you guys have a good rest thanks. of your weekend. Take care. You too. Don't go anywhere, folks. Plenty more here on That's What G Said. Just one more episode of Loki. We're going to get that to you in the next uh, week. We're going to get you Black Widow recap in the next week. Oh, ton of Marvel stuff to come here on That's What G Said. Thanks so much to Tim for helping us out again. Thank you to Eric for coming on, talking some basketball with us. Hope we uh, were able to make a, make you a few bucks on Tuesday at Indy or at Canterbury. And then we get set for the big week coming up, opening day at Saratoga, opening day at Del Mar. So I think I have uh, guests set up for at least a few uh, coming up this week. I'll give you more details if you follow on Twitter. It's me, Gino B. So a couple more episodes coming out this week. Lots of racing content. And uh, we'll continue on with uh, actually going to have an Attack of the Clones uh, recap that we did with Matt Velasco coming out this week. Also, so much. That's why you just got to subscribe. So that way every time we have an episode, every time there's something new, it'll be sent right to you. Joey, buddy, let's finish this thing off.